The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Our Connection Podcast Network listeners and viewers, welcome back inside the Wrestling War Zone Monday Night Wars Podcast Retrospective Series. I'm JT. Joining me as always, as ever, is my partner Chad. Chad, how are you? Good. Uh, only 99 to show 200. Oh, crazy, huh? Until I was gonna say double digits, but triple, triple double digits. No, whatever. Anyway, I was so excited. We got the we got the two bills. Got. Two bills. <laughs> Two bills, yeah. Almost there. Another four Almost. and a half years, five years Almost. perhaps, but you never know. Time flies when you're having fun here inside the War Zone. We're going through the history of Monday Wars. If you're listening on one of our podcast feeds, you can check us out on YouTube. If you want to watch Chad and I talk, we are available there. And uh, you can go ahead while you're on YouTube, subscribe, uh, give us a like, leave a comment if you wish. But like I mentioned, also we're available on all podcast applications as well in audio format on the show. And it's a big one tonight, buddy. Uh, we, sorry, I activated Siri for a moment. Um, we, uh, it's a big one for us tonight. Last episode was episode 100. You activate, well, hang on, hang on, time out. So you activate Siri when you say it's a big one? Is that, it's, a, it's a big one. Oh, she said that's hello. That's a common occurrence in your house. That no, on my, on my oh. MacBook, uh, there's a Siri button. Oh, Okay. Near the volume, so I hit that by accident. I thought she was just so used to hearing that. She is. Oh, big one. All right. All right. I'm in. AI is getting crazy. Yeah, sure. Chat JT. Um, (laughs) All right. So, uh, anyway, last episode was episode 100. We covered Stockade 1996. Tonight, we're going to kick off a new season, a 100 episode season, a new centennial here on the show. Um, by wrapping up a year, we're going to close out 1996. It has been a long time coming, buddy. Uh, we weren't even on the North South Connection when we started in 1996. No. That's how long ago it was um, that we kicked off this calendar year. So uh, tonight we're going to cover the Raw Nitro from December 30th, 96. And then in two weeks, we're going to do a full kind of 96 year in review to kind of yeah. recap everything. Because it's our first real full calendar year. Because we, ni- we did 1995, but we started in September. Um, so this is really our first like 12 months of both shows that we've done. So we're going to do a little, you know, yeah. look back at 96 and then a month from today, we'll be back by kicking off 1997. So right. any thoughts on that before we dive in? No, I mean, I, I think it's just such a big year in U S wrestling history. And 
you think about that, like with the time that we've done the podcast, it's been a long time. Um, four and a half years is a long time, but um, just you know, we've watched a lot of matches, just watching the Raw Nitro and pay per views and clashes. So we watched a good chunk of matches. We've seen a lot of trends, and it'd be kind of cool to just you know shoot the breeze for a bit, reminisce about '96, some of the stuff that we observed throughout the year really deep diving in and then uh kind of give a little preview of 97 too um this show as you mentioned though the two shows we talk about tonight are an interesting kind of jumping off point because um like with nitro there's we'll get to it there's there's some holdover with the piper hogan stuff but then we kick start the next angle main event angle immediately so that's in full gear and then on Raw, you're really seeing what they thought would be probably like one of the cornerstone things they would show in video packages for what they thought would be the WrestleMania main event, right. which would be that Sean Brett face-to-face. So For sure. It was going that way. And it'll be interesting to do the year review because if you think about it, the first five months of 96 that we covered are probably going to be the last – uneventful stretch of this podcast that we do like starting in may with the nwo like shit is happening now constantly until the end of this right i mean that's like those first five months were kind of you know we had good stuff we had bad stuff but it was like not not a lot of consequence happening week to Mm -hmm. week as soon as hall hall showed up nitro has been consequential since wf's not quite there yet but they're gonna get there and one show or the other has shit going now like till the end yeah like if we ever make it fall 2000s a little weird, but WCW's in such disarray by that point that there's like new stuff going on or just how terrible overall the product is, right. we can see if it starts. But either to, way, both shows yeah. have like live yeah. stuff happening every week. Like that early part of 96, like Raw was just full on. Um, you know, in the in the stuff we're still seeing the taped mode, old school. We have weeks where stuff didn't happen, and same with Nitro. It was like a lot of it was rinse repeat. Uh, it was exciting, but it just felt still kind of old school. The NWO is really what kind of launched us into like the next level of live Monday Night Wrestling. You know, and right. game must watch. Yep. Yeah, even in the year like now, still big stuff happening at the end of the year in WF. Like you get the Austin, you know, who who done it stuff comes in. Like so, there's like still big shit happening. Right. Um, so yeah, my point is like 96 is a big transitional year for us because it really mm-hmm. kicked off the Monday Night Wars, I think, officially, specifically with the NWO to now sure. like, going all the time. Right. All right. So why don't you lead us in here? Uh, we're going to start with the Nitro. It's our last Nitro 96 and next episode will be fun. We, we should look at like the first and the last. So like, we'll talk about the last today and just think about where they were a year ago. And with the January 1st episodes, right? We know what Raw had going on, the Raw Bold, Diesel Mabel, which I mean, that seems like years ago. That was our main mm-hmm. event on the first Raw of 1996 was Diesel and Mabel. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, January 1st Nitro was the one in the Omni. It's actually probably like a decent, you know, it's a bigger show. They had like Hogan and Flair or Savage and Flair, whatever it was. Yeah. It's like yeah, even Abiel's. Savage so Flair. I think it was a Savage Flair, one of the nine times we saw that. Right. And even that feels like dramatically crazy different than where we've been. So, yep. Uh, so we get a cold open. Mm hmm. 
two limo, two uh, two limos, two limos pull up. Uh, you can see the hierarchy right away, where you got like the jobber limo. Uh, but the Giants in that one, and then the the main guys Hall, Nash, Six, Trillionaire, Ted, Bischoff, and Hogan are in the second limo. Uh, so they come out. Hogan says, we're rolling. They go over all the belts they have. You know, he, I did like that he mentions the U.S. championship, even though they don't <laughs> yes. have that very possession. That was funny. Uh, he says, Liz is looking sweet. She looks uh, so miserable still. <laughs> probably <laughs> legitimately. Right. Yeah. Um, then John comes in, points at the heavyweight championship and says, do you see the nameplate on the belt? Uh, Hogan says, whoa, 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 brother, when you mess with Hollywood, you don't drop the ball. Even if you stutter step a bit, we are so powerful. Uh, Giant says for, oh, for so let's just, you know, hypothesize for harmonious sake that I did drop the ball. While, <laughs> while they're interacting during this whole segment, Hall and Nash are kind of off camera. And... Oh my God, they are such like the two old guys in the Muppets. Like they are just like adding all sorts of little one liners. So when John says, let's just say I did drop the ball, Hog goes, Yeah, it was a big fumble rooski. (laughs) (laughs) So John brings up World War III, says he does want the shot at the championship. Hogan says, Listen, it's all in the family. They needed him to go through those 60 guys, but that's really like insurance. Like it's mm-hmm. a buy. So he should just go make another movie, chill out. And, uh, you know, if they need it, if for, you know, for some reason Hogan loses the belt, they have that assurance where they have that guaranteed title shot, like in their back pocket. And Giant then says, so I pretty much have no chance to be the lead dog. That's what you're telling me. Right as he says that, Hall and Nash both chime in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's it. And uh, Hogan says, don't make the mistake of dropping the ball again. Uh, so you can see, like, throughout all this, like, tempers are starting to, you know, flare up a little bit. There's a little animosity here. True near Ted finally gets smart and says, you know, get the camera out of the way. Shoves the camera right. out. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about all this? This was pretty good. I liked it. It was a hot start. I mean, it was intense. Like like you said, right away, starting off, you could tell we're likely headed for a giant. He's going to, you know, split off here. And he's upset. He wants to settle shot. Hogan's holding it over him. And you're only going to keep him at bay for so long. You know, we'll see if Hulk realizes that. Uh, but he's used, trying to use the fumble against him to try and get him to stay in line. Like, look, you fucked up. We're keeping you around. This is where you want to be. The buy was interesting, like way to put it. Basically, not only do they have the insurance, but also gives me a month off, right? Because I don't have to defend against you like I would have someone else, and right. I can just chill and not worry about it. The only thing I didn't like was the usage of the nameplate on the belt because it's like, why is Giant's name still on there? It makes WCW just look sloppy and stupid <laughs> that they didn't change it, and yeah. then calling attention to it, like. Hogan is such an egomaniac. Like, why wouldn't he have his name on the belt like day one? So I didn't care for that too much. Like, it didn't add to the story to me. Like, it just makes him look inept. Like, why why would it still say John? Unless you just say NWO, because it's the NWO's belt, WCW's belt people didn't get it. It didn't get be able to update it because it was taken out of the company. But you think Hogan's the kind of guy that would write his name over it or something. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that, that part was just a little weird. Like it, because it, and I only say it because that's like an ongoing thing 
in the future mm-hmm. with WCW, isn't it? Don't they like get lazy with changing the nameplates and stuff? And like, um, it's kind of well, like a thing where like the wrong names of the belt more than once. Where they yeah, we'll have to check to see if we get a like a week or two in. I mean, when they really start going crazy with the title change, I feel like it's a thing in the future where like it should have said someone else's name and it didn't. And yeah. I don't know, it just makes them look like. They're trying to portray themselves as the number one and just felt like a little Laurent, Laurent. But beyond that, it was all like story wise, within everything, it's awesome. I just think they, they kind of called out, told on themselves on something they didn't need to tell on themselves for. Like, just let it go. Either fix right. it or let it go. Or explain. Have DiBiase say, well, you know, whatever. Like, who gives a fuck? It's not yeah, our belt face now. Yeah. That, that's, I think they could have added a little. Yeah, just say it. Just throw a little line in. Or have Tony say it. Like, oh, you know, because Tony explains everything, right? Just explain yep. it. Say, hey, we all saw what happened. Giant names on the belt. Well, you know, our belt guys couldn't update it because Hogan took it. We haven't touched the belt since. And they obviously don't right. care because they've already defaced the belt anyway. So, like, at least just give us something besides just almost making it like they're mocking themselves at a time where they're trying to present themselves as, like, a serious number one. Right. Uh, so, same opening. We'll, I mean, we'll see. You know, we did talk about that. Like, we track it. So, at the end of 1996, <laughs> yeah. they, haven't, they haven't changed that yet. So, we may be well into 97. We'll see. I mean, we're six months in. So, to Hogan turning, he's still ripping off the red and yellow. Uh, they're in Knoxville, Tennessee. They do let us know that with the nameplate. I thought Knoxville might be kind of a fringe city where – they might not have said, like, hey, here's where we're at. Feels pretty regional. Yep. Uh, Tony does let us know it's standing room only and uh, starts us off with a big where the big boys play. And then they kind of recap Starcade. Larry says that there's been a crack in the NWO foundation. Uh, we get some steals of the Giant versus Luger match. They, they really put that match over throughout yes. the show, both for, like, Giant and his – rising tension with the nwo but mainly for luger and like how big of a win it was and, a and you had the sting match. stuff too so i mean a lot did happen in that match so. yeah yeah uh, they also so- say they really hammer home to the piper is not part of wcw and they right talking like we could really use a leader like him but he's yeah, yeah. he was one well, and done he made it clear he was one and done mm-hmm. he's not signed a contract he's not part of the team he just wanted to shut hogan up and move on right uh, so we start with the opener, which is a rematch from last week on Nitro. It's Public Enemy versus Amazing French Canadians. Do the whole spill, you know, the national anthem. We know that. Uh, Tony, this is also a reoccurring theme on this show where Tony lets us know the little guys are here. Larry immediately says, Ray Mysterio's here. So just uh, a, a dick, dick comment. He says, a Mexican here. midget match, Tony says. He says, yeah. it'll be electric. Yes, uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of midgets. Uh, that term gets thrown around a ton in the lead up. Um, uh, so uh, Canadians attack even before Public Enemy gets in the ring. Oh, so we are in Knoxville. Knoxville has an infamous fan. She is in the front row. The old grandmother is in the front row. She's on the hard camera side, so she can only see the back of her head. She's right in the front on this show. She doesn't. I mean, she's animated. They don't spill out to the outside to where she can really get into the hill's face. Like we'll see next time they come to Dodge. I was going to say, when's the infamous one with Hogan? Is that the next one? Is that her? It's like leading. It's like almost a year, I think, to the day because I want to say it's leading up to Stargate 97. 
right. Um, she's the one that they, the infamous one where he's like yelling. At yeah, where really she's like, like really shaking her fist at him and Hogan's like, <laughs> like really. But she's, I mean, she gives, she's giving the hills the business throughout this show where you can see like she's standing up and like, you know, really going at him. So just a great fan. Uh, Rock or Rock has some good punches on Jacques Rougeau. Uh, but this is the same thing we saw last week. It's just a garbage, like, three-minute brawl. Mm-hmm. Neither one of these teams, I don't know. Like, I'm not really digging either one, like, right now. Public Enemy. Was, it's been a year, too, for Public Enemy. I think they debuted on that New Year's episode. Yeah. I, to me, they've really lost a lot throughout mm-hmm. the year. Um, they've been overshadowed. Like, when they came in, the division didn't have the depth it has now. Like, there was a big pickup. And then since then... Like the Steiner showed up, then the Road Warriors showed up. But you had Luger and Sting for a while. Harlem Heat picked up steam. And then the Outsiders came in, the Faces of Fear took over. Like, so like like the division really kind of gained a lot of depth and they just kind of stayed toward the bottom. And, you know, I love the Quebecers, like one of my favorite tag team of all time, probably. Yeah. But they're washed here. Like they're not they, they don't they don't fit at all in this realm. Like they feel no. very outdated. They don't feel modernized at all. Yeah, I think the I think they should have went back to WF. I think and I, like ninety six WF could have really used them. Maybe I, I the even ring. feel like though. Just early, I'm whole... talking early to mid. I'm not. I don't yeah, mean now okay. with Bulldog and Owen, but like you wouldn't have taken the Quebecers like in the spring and summer. Oh, yeah, I mean the fucking so Godwin. It was know, so the bad. And them. Yeah, they just they feel very regional. Mm-hmm. Like you think about like ninety six is not state of the art, but like with everything else on this show, the amazing French Canadians more than any other feels like, Oh, this is like 1984. Yeah. You know, something mid Atlantic, like you would see, like it feels Especially very, with really Parker cool. too. Cause he feels like a territory. Act. Too. Yep. So it's oh. like, they just don't fit because they also aren't really involved. It, it kind of happens a lot with like in this era, Guys, when they're not involved in the NWO stuff, so they feel like extra out random too. Like they're not really doing anything of note. They're not in the tag title picture. They're not fighting the NWO. You know, like they feel old. It's like kind of like what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, so on commentary, they talk about Parker's little mustache that he's trying to grow. Uh, Larry wants the man to take out the earrings and to grow a mustache. So some word of advice there from Larry. Uh, Tony agrees with him. So I was like, all right. Uh, well, they also call, uh, he calls Parker Errol Flynn with the, with the little mustache. Uh, yes. He's got the v- VKM modern day mustache. It is, it is thin very, thin, yeah. very thin. Uh, so basically, like at the end of this match, the Quebecers like take a walk. Uh, public enemy runs them down, hits them on the um, on the aisleway. Then they bring them back. They set up the table. Rocco does his thing where you know grunge is gonna help him come over from the ring to the floor through the table, but uh, Jock moves, so both of public enemy goes crashing through the table, and then Jock rolls. Um, it's Pierre, right? Yeah, they actually. Oh no, Pierre hits the big center. Right, they put Rock in the ring. Yeah, they put uh, Rock, the Rock, and Tower uh, of Quebec, or whatever. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one star. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's a neutral. Whatever. It's stupid. Yeah, it's it's one bump and a bunch of bullshit. Like nothing else. It's an aimless 
um not hot enough to me to open this show like it is is kind of whatever like you think public enemies coming out we're gonna get like a big garbage spot to get everyone fired up but um and you mentioned earlier but this this building is like very tiny for wcw nitro at this point like it almost feels like a throwback to earlier in the year like this would have been one we would have seen in january but they've gotten so big it was like jarring a little bit to see them in this building it, it felt like this is where like raw would be here um and it's just it's set up weird too so like it just looks very odd like the way the stairs are to the side the open little section like it, i just felt like they were a little bit beyond it may be like a vintage place but they don't really talk it up as such they don't oh we're in the historic not you know like they don't like play it up that way so it just makes it seem like a little especially the night after starcade <laughs> like it's like their biggest show of the year with all the hype and then it's like you think you may be getting a lot of people tuning in and <clears throat> it doesn't feel as maybe big time as they you know have been yeah it's a couple things like it's kind of weird they refuse to run chattanooga because they could have went to the utc arena very easily i think mm-hmm. um and we actually see like i wonder if like wwf actually had that blocked already because they were doing final four there or i say they may Maybe. have yeah they ran there um, often too like even to this day they, they run there don't they uh wwf yeah you I, can see I mean, they go so through that, that might have been their building all along oh i mean wcw had havoc 91 there so um but uh I, I I don't I mean like this isn't a big arena, but I think the setup hurts it and the crowd heat wasn't good for the show. Like this is one of the worst crowd heat shows we've had in WCW. They yeah. they react for NWO and Flair and not much else. So they I should mean, have the tried car- to run like North Carolina off a of Starcade. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good hike. Um I mean they could have done it, but I I think I think if they could have done Chattanooga, that would have been the move. Otherwise, you, you could just go to Atlanta. Like, I don't know why they right. refuse to go there either. Well, they're um, going soon, aren't they? Isn't that coming? March 3rd. Yeah. That's the last Nitro in the Omni. Um, I mean, maybe you could say, like, all right, it's kind of dumb to have Atlanta have a Nitro right after Starcade. Like, why not just put Starcade there? Who knows? I mean, I know they weren't really doing this as a thing yet. They probably could have just run Nashville again <laughs> the next night. Yeah, you know, like that crowd was hot for Starcade. Uh, they probably would have or filled Memphis. The they could have. Yeah. They might could have gave Memphis a shot. Yeah. Um. There's options. Uh. I. I mean. I. I think the building just looks weird though. Hurts it yeah. though. Because I mean, there's like five thousand people here. It's not like it's a two thousand arena. No. It is. Yeah. The way it's set up and just like you said, the crowd's not there. It just feels weird to come off your biggest show of the year and then like right almost look small time right away yeah yeah uh we come back from the break and uh so so this show on paper like a few matches look incredible mm-hmm. um they just aren't given time we can get to that there's some structure stuff like we didn't really need that first match if you could have taken that first match yes. and gave this match another three minutes great yeah. and it's this happens a couple of times uh, so our next match, which I was shocked they had this match. I didn't remember it, but we heard on Starcade these two were facing off on January 4th. Well, we mm-hmm. get a preview here. It's uh, Jushin Liger versus Ultimo Dragon. Well, and the funny thing is we talked at Starcade like, that they should have just run this match on that card when we were trying right. to talk about different ways. To sh- and we were like, oh, they probably didn't want to front run the tour, yeah. uh, the dome, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. Uh, it anyway. I don't know. It, it's very odd. Uh, so Ultimo only wears the cruiserweight belt out. He doesn't have the whole J crown. 
Uh, he starts right away against Liger, some tilt to world slam, and uh, surfboard by Liger to gain the momentum. Ultimo comes back with a tilt to world backbreaker of his own. He does a toe bay to the outside. Uh, Larry lets us know when you make a dive to the outside, you want to make sure there's water in the pool. So, you know, notorious high flyer, Larry Zabisco. He's got a down. Well, that's why he only does it when the water's there. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So often. Uh, yeah, maybe not ever. I, w- I would like to see footage of Larry doing a, a dive to the outside. Uh, Ultimo comes off the top rope, gets some boots from Liger, and that kind of bloodies up his mouth. Um, mm-hmm. I look pretty stiff. Liger hits a brain buster. Uh, they talk a lot about Sonny Ono and his deal last night at Starcade, the momentum he had, but also his altercation with uh, Sasuke. Uh, they let us know that Sasuke is is actually in attendance and wrestling tonight, so so they get that out of the way. Uh, Ultimo gets the run and the Tiger Suplex to get the win. This is where I thought the crowd uh, kind of sucked. Yeah, like they weren't really with this match at all. For what it was, it was like a four minute just straight sprint. I do recall their one four ninety seven match like being very good. Like these two are interesting like they had the j crown match in august which is like incredible and then they never really had another like super match with each other i don't think um they wrestled a couple times on january 4th they wrestled january 4th 93 and then obviously january 4th 97 uh but for this like for a nitro sprint i mean it was fun uh pretty violent like ultimo they show him post match. He's bloodied up in the mouth, and um, overall, it's a fun sprint. Three stars. It's always nice to see Liger. So it was cool. Yeah, I went three as well. Um, maybe they let him run at non nitro because they knew they weren't going to go like all out and give him a lot of time. Maybe that's why they mm-hmm. said no no pay per view because he'll mimic too much. But this felt like an appetizer, mm-hmm. showcase a little bit for Tokyo Dome. Um, I thought both guys look great after the shitty opener, especially Dragon's red hot. He's becoming, you know, one of the biggest cruiser stars now in WCW. Um, the moves they, they showed off all were well executed and definitely stood out um, on the site. So I went three stars as well. And yeah, I wish we had more time. I think your idea of eliminating that opener, given the three minutes here, would have definitely made this pop even more. But again, it could have been by design. I mean, may New Japan said, you know, or may they said, like, we don't want to. We don't want too much time because we need to keep right. things fresh for, for the fourth. Yeah, I mean, the thing with this show, there's three matches they could have added time to. There's this one, the Minis, and Jericho, Benoit. So mm-hmm. we got three matches you could cut. Here's another match you could have just cut all the way where we get a uh, Conan comes out uh, for a strap match. We hear versus Big Bubba. So Big Bubba's music starts up. But I wanted to ask, they do... Um, they do do the the like the NWO B team music. Yes. I don't think we've heard that yet. I was shocked when it came out uh, way earlier than I thought. Then I'm thinking like, did is this like a Peacock dub? But That's it didn't sound like it. It sounded real. Mm-hmm. It sounded like it was there. So I didn't. I did not remember this. I thought it was more like the spring that this song showed up, um, because they're not really a B team yet. Like that felt more like later when they have like six or seven guys that are kind of next tier down but no man they thought so lily bubba like we're already giving you your own freaking yeah. song and i love the b team theme i think it's it's an awesome song yeah it's um, a cool song yeah uh so bubba doesn't show up no uh, 
out, out comes Wall Street. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Larry, Larry lets us know, hey, he's in the NWO now. It's like, thank you, Larry. We knew mm. that three weeks ago. So thank you for us. keeping us up to date. Um, what tipped it off? The big NWO shirt he was wearing? <laughs> uh, so Wall Street says he just got off the phone with Bubba and he can't make it. He's not afraid of Conan or the strap and he'll get his chance to prove it. Then, and one of the dumbest things I've seen in quite a while, Conan just takes this news, says, okay, turns right around, turns his back <laughs> to Wall Street, raises his arms in the air like he just achieved some great victory. Um, of course, that allows Wall Street to waylay him, take over. Uh, so, so we have a strap match here. It's Wall Street versus Conan. This goes, this goes about like you can imagine. Um, it's a match out of your friggin' nightmares. <laughs> I actually thought Wall Street started out, yeah, a little more lively than you would think. Yeah, where like he uses the strap because I was very scared. This is Wall Street. I was very scared. Like his first move was gonna be like a chin lock and a strap <laughs> and I was just with the strap. Yeah, I was just gonna be done with it. Uh, so he does, you know, do clotheslines and a couple things. Conan gets his rolling clothesline, uh, but then we get just, the, of course, like the lame finish they do with every freaking strap. Oh my god, it's so beaten into the ground. I hate this finish. So it's the same thing where like Wall Street basically has the strap wrapped around Conan's neck in the like hangman position and is dragging him around hitting the corner. But Conan never touched the first post. Oh, he doesn't he, touch the first corner. Which, the, that, that's why I didn't think it was know. coming because I'm like, he didn't touch the first one. So I don't know. It's weird. Oh, and they video review. <laughs> I, I didn't I mean, unless I missed it. Uh, he does the second and third. Yeah. Um, but then even the last one is like Conan breaks free to me, the momentum was done. Like yeah. it wasn't like he usually is where he's like dragging him behind and then he flips around. Like he yeah. punches him and he falls like, yeah, that's it. But then yep. VK punches him and Conan falls into the fourth, never touched right. the first. The momentum was broken. Like it was stupid. Yeah. Was so stupid. yeah. V VK punches Conan. He like staggers back into the fourth turnbuckle bell rings. Uh, well, I will again give Wall Street a little credit because, like, all right, like, we already talked about, like, Conan did an asinine dumb move. Like, right. Wall Street celebrates. He does go and touch the fourth one, yeah. and then the bell rings. So, at least he's, like, not celebrating when he never touched the fourth one and couldn't have possibly won. But, I mean, come on. Like, you know what's happening. Like, it just looks stupid. Crowd's confused or doesn't care at all. Um, it's always lame. So star in a quarter. Just give Conan the win. Like it's friggin' Wall Street. Like he's got to luck into the win. Well, like just have him beat him. Like whatever. Think, Not every strap match has to be the guy falls into the corner. No, but I think this is where we're gonna start to see because like it was only the night before where the NWO surfed their first loss, right? Right. So how quickly do you want to change that to where they? But you I write know it off as Wall Street. Street. It's, it's I know, Wall but Street. this is this is the problem. This is where we get to where we talk about like NWO getting a little bit too diluted, because I do think this is like a perfect example of a box stand booking, where 
They don't want Wall Street to definitively lose because he's NWO. So you got to protect him some way. They have Conan get the first three, and Vincent or whoever runs in, and it's like a DQ, and they beat him up. Like, like at least that's some. Like this just made it feel like Conan. Just, I mean, he gets dragged, he gets choked, and then he falls into the corner. I just, I don't know. I just, I just maybe it's just my hate for Wall Street. Um, when Wall Street goes to the top, and he takes forever and he misses that top rope stomp. Like it is the slowest moving thing ever, ever yeah. makes Adam Murray look like fucking Usain Bolt, like running around. <laughs> um, and then the only thing I liked for VK is when he uh, puts him over on his back and chokes him and drag like mm-hmm. the way he dragged him. I thought that did look cool. Like he, he was carrying him like a sack, uh, but VK's washed. He's got no heat. He, he he feels like a bum foot soldier from the start. Uh, the finish is stupid. You know, whatever. We'll wait on the Dungeon Doom blow off. To me, there's only one highlight to this match. I think it was a time. Who, who do you think of when you hear that music? What's the first person that pops in your head? I Norton, can tell you, Norton and Bagwell. Scott Norton is like, <laughs> yeah. Scott Norton with that little like, yeah. vicious and delicious. That's what I think yeah. of. Vicious yeah. and delicious. Yeah. The uh, there was a time where I would argue that that was a better theme song than the the main. Like I think there's a world where you could argue the original NWO theme it ranks last of all the NWO themes because I think you can make an argument for the Wolfpack over the original. Uh-huh. I think Voodoo Child, you can have an argument over the original. I could go with Voodoo Child. And I think this one, you can at least have a discussion. It's it's probably not better, but it's really good. For the B-team guys, Like it's pretty damn good. So It's pretty good that they went four for four. Um, I think them and Triple H and probably Undertaker have the best hit rate for yeah. guys that have like three-plus themes, and they're all great. Yeah, I mean, Triple H is probably the best if you include – him being associated with DX and well, you evolution, got, and even his original, and, the piano theme is a pretty good one for like a, a royal blue blood guy. Do, 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 you know that one? And then you have the Odes of Joy, which is a great song. You got the DX theme, which he does use when he's in DX. Yeah, he's probably in his worst theme right now. Actually, I would say Ode to Joy. That's probably. And then he's got the game. It. He's got the non-worded uh, game. The mm-hmm. you know. Then he's got the game. Then he's got, uh, not the game. I'm sorry. He's got my time. He's got the no words. My time. He's got my time. Then he's got the game, King of Kings, Evolution. Like, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. good. Anyway, NWO is probably up there. NWO on a take Triple H. I think. Let me know if I'm wrong, but I guess Hogan. I mean, if you want to count. Yeah, I, I mean guess. Hogan has real American NWO. I the Tiger. Voodoo Child. Voodoo Child. That's, and that's... the Hulk Hogan theme that I think he does use at some point, right? The um, the one for the wrestling album. I mean, even like American Maid's not awful. Like it got yeah, no, American Maid's fine. Played, but yeah, yeah, it's fine. Hogan's up there. Could be a draft. There you go. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Uh, <coughs> uh, so I do wonder. I think there's definitely some like scouting on what was going on with the other shows. Because uh, Raw was live this week. Uh, so I do wonder if they kind of abruptly ended this match, which, you know, more power to them. Right. But Hogan, Hogan comes out, 
right away. We don't go to break or nothing like that. And I looked at the time. It was like 28, 30 minutes in on Peacock. That was probably like right around the time Brett and Sean were getting in the ring for the face-to-face. I, I yeah. definitely think, I, I mean, I don't know like who decided to like make the first step and so you like, think we're trying to get Hogan out there against Brett? Yeah, get John. Hogan out there. So, like, the quarter hour. It's possible I, that was the plan all along. Was, yeah. like, Conan, that was going to be a filler. Yeah. And let him go as long as we have to until we want to roll yeah. Hogan out against. Because it does feel they like they went to that finish pretty quickly where, like, Wall Street could have hung out in the chin lock with the strap. And then all of a sudden he, like, lifts him up. And it's like, we're going straight to the finish. And then, like. Conan, the Dungeon of Doom music's playing, and then all of a sudden the NWO theme fires up, and out yeah. comes Hogan and Bischoff, and you're like, oh, like, yeah, wow. no, you're right. They probably worked on a counter program mm-hmm. a little bit. That was probably their sleeper match until that hits. Yeah. So uh, out they come, and uh, oh man, what a delusional, great heel yeah. is. Uh, So Bischoff says, like, uh, that Hogan beat Piper. Um, you know, Hogan knew that when Piper had the guts to show up, he had him. Bischoff is such a swarmy bastard, like, through all this, like, faking, crying, like, just annoying. Uh, Hogan says, you know, he did show some mercy because he saw Roddy's kid. Uh, this is a big thing throughout the night where Roddy's kids, one of his six kids is begging Hogan to uh, <laughs> take it. Yeah. Uh, Hogan calls Piper the real coward, said there's nothing under that dress and that you'll never see him again. Uh, they say they're going to do a moment of silence, but then say the heck with that. So uh, uh, Hogan, Hogan then says he would run for president, but he doesn't want to take a cut in pay. <laughs> so, uh, just a... Uh, this, this I think worked again like a real good like delusional Hogan mm-hmm. like acting like he and they stepped. believe it you know mm-hmm. yeah it, it it really felt like all right this is what you would see from like two guys that are just in complete denial yeah and uh, worked it worked to help well, it's not a lie if you believe it is like where they're at with this so. yeah yeah. Larry even says, like, does he have Alzheimer's? Because he's, like, you know, talking up like they won. Um, no, that was great. I mean, Hogan and Bischoff is a pairing great because it is Bischoff is so hateable and smarmy. And just Hogan is so grandiose and just, like you said, delusional. Uh, Hogan does hype up his cool Hollywood rules shirt. <laughs> so he's trying to pimp that, probably trying to get the sales up on that. Bischoff has a good line. He says, Piper was like Haley's comment. He came, got beaten, is gone. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, Hogan says Piper came in for one shot. He lost, but he made a lot of scratch on my coattails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hogan says he lost a lot of respect for that coward. Nothing happened under the dress. So yeah. just delusional Hogan. You know, they try to bait Piper in to get a win back on him. Yes. Like, are they just talking himself up to make him feel better? So, like, there's some different ways they can go with this. Right. Uh, as they leave, Tony does let us know that we have a response they're going to share with us. So that's uh, kind of a hook yep. for the rest of the show. Uh, then we get just a wild match on paper. It's Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Morris versus Kensei Sake. Uh, Kensei Sasaki is what they pronounce it as the whole night. Uh, so Tony and Larry, again, are just appalled that uh, Hogan and Bischoff claimed victory when it was recorded. Uh, Sonny Ono does come out with Sasaki. Um, you know, we get so we actually got a uh, 
a plethora. I think we got the holy trinity of all the generic Japanese music. Because <laughs> yes. uh, we get Ultimo, we have Liger, and now we got Sasaki. Three different Japanese mm-hmm. tape songs. So they uh, they really ran the gauntlet of everything. Uh, Tony lets us know that they're trying to get video to prove that Piper won. Um, he also lets us know that Sasaki is known as Hellcat in Japan. Uh, so power moves with these guys. Morse does a charge in the corner. Um, as this happens, Eric Bischoff invades the booth. He has the master tape. Uh, he's over the crowd with the live mic. So he lets us know that, you know, they aren't showing anything. Possession is nine tenths of the law. And that's that. He runs off with like the master tape. Uh, Larry is just annoyed. Like Tony says, well, we still have some stills. Larry asked if they got a beta tape for it. So he's, he's back in the 80s. Uh, laser disc. We need Tony <laughs> to get some laser disc for us, maybe the uh, fired up. Uh, so while all this is going on, we have the match. It's it's okay. Big clothesline by Sasaki gets two. Power slam. He does his rolling arm throw that looks pretty good. Crowd again doesn't care. Like they are very anti uh, mm-hmm. Japanese and Mexican competitors on this night. Um, he does miss the elbow from the top, and uh, Hugh Morris hits the slam and the low, no laughing matter. He goes for the pin. Sonny Ono rolls into the ring, nails uh, Hugh Morris with the flag, drawing a lane DQ, and then like Hugh Morris tries to get his hands on Sonny Ono, but he like escapes with his jacket. Where was Jimmy Hart through all this? Like, yeah, yeah he decided he doesn't care to come out, so. All this seemed like a waste of Sasaki. Um, two stars, it was okay. Um, really, this match was more about, like, you know, Bischoff still in the master tape, though. That was your main yeah. for the match. Oh, definitely. Um, and a big international flavor. You know, I think it's cool that a, a lot of these guys are there for Starcade and they just kind of held them over and had them work the next night. Yeah. Um, because a pretty good big boy banging early, which is always entertaining. Uh, a lot of talk about the issues between Sasaki and Ono because of Ono cheating the night before to help uh, Akira Hokudo win her match. Uh, Larry goes on a rant about coffee costing $3 a cup in Japan. <laughs> He's not happy about that. That's the match for you, Larry. Let's us know it. Uh, and then, we, yeah, we get the holding of the tape and then the finish. After Hugh runs off Uno, uh, Uno, oh no, he says, Dungeon of Doom 1997. <laughs> so we're ready. Big year for the dungeon coming for Hugh Morris. And, I hmm? Yeah, I was wondering, I wanted to check, and I believe so. This is our one and only time we'll see Sasuke on a WCW program. For this project. Well, we didn't see him before when he was like, I guess that was that before Nitro started when he's you. Yeah, so he did uh, like a really wild run on. He has a match on Worldwide where he actually faced the Giant on WCW Worldwide. Has a match on WCW Pro. Has a match on WCW this, Prime. during this run. That's uh, the Prime match. It says was January first, and then there was a May second taping. And uh, June. Hokuto well, was here for a while, so he must just kind of come and go with her. Yeah, maybe. And then um, you know he was on Starcade and World War Three. Yeah, so say when was he? When was his U.S. title run? That was Nitro was, was happening then, right? We just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. This is it for him. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. 
He was uh, only on one Nitro before, though. Him versus right. Benoit. So, it's it's weird. Like, he was a United States champion. It was, was such a weird one-man gang, Conan, yeah. whole odd yeah. thing. Um, anyway, I thought this was a pretty surpri- surprising finish. Uh, it was wonky, but Morris basically had the clean win before the DQ, yeah. which was surprising. So, I went two and a half. Like, I, I didn't mind the big boys whacking each other around, but um, whatever. Like you said, the whole point was that Bischoff's got the tape. Uh, so they show steals of Piper having his hand raised. He has his foot on top of Hogan, who's laid out on the mat. So we we do get the steals of it, just no video footage. Uh, WCW Saturday night, our lineup, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko for the U.S. heavyweight title. Masahiro Chono, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger are all in action. And then for the TV title, uh, Lord Steven Regal versus Ice Train. Pretty good little sorry. Not bad. Not bad. I was most likely tuned in on this one, I would say. Start the new year. Yeah. That was January 4th. That's the real January 4th show. Uh tag match. Another tag match. Harlem Heat versus the faces of fear. Uh Stevie and Mean kind of start firing away. Tony lets us know he's been dictated that they must talk about sold out. So he gives kind of the shield for that. Cedar Rapids, the date, all that stuff. Uh, Booker's in, he climbs up top, but Barbarian catches him, hits him with a huge belly-to-belly. That looked good. Um, and then, like, I thought this angle was dead, but it's still hanging Never out. Never-ending. It's a year old because the wedding was at the January Clash, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was going before then. <laughs> so, like, we're well over a year into into sensational or sensuous Sherry, whatever she is here, Queen Sister Sherry. Um, She's and- like in her wrestling gear. Yeah, on I this show. I didn't know what that was about either. Yeah. This is almost scary Sherry gear here. Um, so Parker comes out, he smacks Sherry on the ass with like his uh what do you even what do you know what the official it's like name a riding is? R- riding yeah, prop? It's, uh, it's your uh what they hit the horses with, but yeah. uh um <laughs> so while all this is going on, like Sherry you know, flips out at that, of course. Uh, meanwhile, in the ring, Stevie hits a power slam, but the amazing French Canadian throughout. Jock Rougeau, they say he threw salt in the beginning. Then they say maybe it was a powder. What was this? Because it screws up the ring for the rest of the night. It's like, like black powder, but I was wondering if it was supposed to be like gunpowder because like Parker's kind of got like the Legionnaire's suit on or whatever. Like if it's okay. like old school gunpowder, because it is, it's like a thick black powder yeah. they throw at Stevie's eyes. Yeah. And totally ruins the mat. Uh, so, so now Stevie has that. He gets the kick of fear from Mean, who covers him. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's a shoddy finish, but faces a fair wing. No, Booker comes off the top rope on top yep. of Mean. Stevie blinded kind of puts half an arm on him and gets the cover. So I, I thought that was an interesting finish because we just saw the faces of fear right. be pretty, you know, take it to the outsiders. And they talked that up too. Like Tony's all over it during this match. How, how great their outing was the night before. And so I, w- I was very confused that they just lose right here, especially when they ended up having help. So it's like yeah. almost double bad. Um, match itself was a solid power matchup for what it was, but enough of partner and Sherry. Like, yeah, that was it's gonna go. 
Talk about feeling dated and washed and just not of this world. The French Canadians, Parker and Sherry, should just be put him on Saturday Night with Dusty and let him <laughs> laugh it up, right? Like, like that's just where this all should be. Like, and just not here, yeah. where it's like on the big show. Um, but yeah, a lot of hype on that. I, I think it's interesting. I like that Tony says they're going to talk about sold out because WCW is going to be involved on the mm-hmm. show, so we're going to hype it. Um, and then he does say we're going to find out some sold out matches on Saturday Night. So they're still using Saturday Night for some decent sized stuff in here. Uh, I thought it was a fine early. The, the, again, the finish was messy. Like you said, um, you know, maybe we'll get some kind of feud, I guess, with French Canadians and Harlan heat. I, I don't know. Uh, but fine. And then kind of shit the bed. So two and a half for me. I did two and a half as well. Uh, Gene gives an interview with diamond Dallas page. Uh, Gene lets us know, Hey, you've declined the NWO. He brings up last night and then beating him up. Paige says, don't worry about it. Gene says, well, it's not just him. You know, everybody's wondering about this. Uh, Paige says he isn't crying. He's a fixer and he will move on. Gene presses him on what he means by being a fixer. Uh, Dallas says people say he's kind of thick-headed and stubborn. He doesn't get it right away. But when you get dropped on your head, you do get it. Paige says that the NWO is too strong right now. He knows what he's got to do and what's going to happen. And Gene says, well. You know, what are you going to do? And uh, Paige just says the NWO. Don't worry and about it. Walks away. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like this, though. Mm-hmm. I thought this was cool to set up, like, what happens in the future. Because, like, yeah, this yeah. to me is actually what... Um, This to me is, like, a smarter version of what's going on with Steam. Mm-hmm. Where, on commentary, you could make a leap here. Right. That he is becoming the NWO. Like, he's not, it, I mean, he is doing some misdirection on purpose, um, and it makes sense. Like, with what he's saying, like, it doesn't take that much of a leap of faith to say, like, all right, like, you know, all right, he's NWO. Um, so, I, I like the way this was done. I actually thought Gene was good in this role. Yeah. He wasn't um, over the top with pushing him, you know, with his usual yeah, yeah. kind of ranting and raving and yelling and like forcing. He just kind of was or trying to making, lead him to it. Making too much assumptions too. Like we've right. seen that with Gene where he's like, yeah. you know, like obviously like your friend, you know, even at the yeah, beginning yeah. of this, he was like, you're friends with these guys, like your neighbors with him. It's like, well, you know, I don't know, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's good for Paige. It, it really felt like they were – in a holding pattern with him to just get through Starcade before wanting to ramp up his piece. Yep. Um, so it felt like they had good momentum going with the NWO teases and then it kind of went dark for like a few weeks and then they ramped it back up going into Starcade. So it feels like they just had those markers in the ground they wanted to get to. And now they're going to start to push page into being looking like he may try to outsmart them now or end up joining them. All right. We start off hour two. Uh, not a lot of like pomp and circumstance for Pyro yeah. for this. We kind of just go to the booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanae says that, you know, one constant has remained the same, and that's that Hulk Hogan is not beating Roddy Piper. Turn to Bobby. Bobby says there's a lot of friction at the NWO. Hogan's a pathological liar. When a liar runs the group, there's nothing but trouble, which I thought was funny, like, considering being the Heenan family. Mm-hmm. And then he takes a complete 180 turn. He says, hey, we got the midgets coming in later. <laughs> They all weigh 280 pounds combined, not just one guy. All, all of them together are 280 pounds. So 
he's excited about that. I, you know, AWA and where Bobby started out, they did use a lot of midget wrestling, uh, Sky Lolo and all that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he's uh, fond of the excited about it. Yeah, he was pumped for well, it. Well, he was uh, in, I mean, MSG ran the little guys for a while in the 80s, mm-hmm. and he was there too. So, yeah, uh, he's yeah. always been around it. Uh, so uh, then we get clips of the stuff before. Uh, <coughs> Tony announces, though, that Piper is here. He's in the building. So they, mm-hmm. they get that out of the way too, right at hour two. Um, and uh, of course, Bobby wants to bail right away from the announcement if he says we should leave. So he's, he's ready to go. <laughs> Uh, our first match, another great match on paper. Probably another one we probably didn't have to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Disco Inferno versus Glacier. Uh, Tony calls Starcade the greatest pay-per-views ever been associated with. Uh, Disco does a little mic work. It results in him being insulted by then. Says he's mad now. Um, I, I couldn't keep my eyes off the black powder all over the ring. No, it's just like completely covered. Yeah, back. It's awful. Um, so this is a Glacier squash, as you might imagine. Arm drags by Glacier. Uh, Bobby gives a little, like, Italian flair to this with Disco Inferno talking about his uncles. Uh, says he had a new uh, submission move that he uh, tied up his uncles with, Enzo and Louie. So he lets <laughs> us know about that. Um, uh, then Tanae really goes off on Glacier's family. Uh, so we learned last week brother and father were involved as uh, state troopers or whatnot. Uh, Glacier's mother is also involved in law enforcement. Bobby has a pretty good joke asking if that was San Quentin or uh, you know the rock at Alcatraz. Um, and uh, Glacier's just dominating. Gut wrench slam. Has a ton of confidence. He goes for the cryonic kick. Disco puts referee Scott Dickerson in front of him. Uh, Disco then gives a clothesline, stomps away. Uh, he tries to go for his new leg hold, his new submission, but puts it on the wrong foot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, uh, nasty kick from Glacier, but he puts his head down. Disco hits a good swinging. Yeah, that was a surprise. Which was pretty shocking. Uh, instead of following up on it, though, he goes to the second rope, starts dancing. When he turns around, he gets absolutely blasted with a super kick that looked violent and good, and a Glacier win. So, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a Glacier Mark. Like, these are not good squad. I don't know what to say. Like, he's not getting the reaction they'd hoped. But I actually don't think the squash matches themselves are that bad. Like, his kick here looked violent. Disco is... You know, comedy fodder, but some of the stuff he did. I mean, real comedy. They're basically saying he's like a shitty wrestler, like not even hiding from it. I mean, that's. I forgot how to do this. Well, he says even before the match, when he grabbed the mic, he's like, I've been practicing my leg hold for weeks. Yeah. Uh, So you should just leave. And he calls Glacier Dumber the Peyton Manning. And he says, Tennessee is going to get embarrassed by Northwestern. Did that happen, Chad? Yes. They Uh, did? No, I, oh, I was going to say. Look it up. I'm guessing Tennessee won. Yeah, I'll yeah. look that up while you talk about the match. I want to start in half. Because this would have been Manning's senior year, right? Or junior, yeah, whatever year he came he, out. Yeah, he'd have been a uh, junior. He, well, he he did one more year after this. 98's when they win the national championship right, yeah, with yeah. T. Martin. So he was like a sophomore probably here. They beat Northwestern 48-28. to 28. There you go. They uh, have, uh, I mean, this. 
they honestly probably should. These this is one of those years where like you look back at it and they probably were kicking themselves. I mean, here's the problem. Like this is '96 is it's almost like what Tennessee had this year, right? Like they were a dominant team, but they're in the SEC East. They lost mm-hmm. to Georgia. So if you lose that matchup, it's very tough. You know, you're not going to be in the SEC championship. That's what happened to Tennessee here. They lost to Tennessee, or I'm sorry, Tennessee lost to Florida at home, 29 to 35. Probably a great game. Um, but then they they had a hiccup versus Memphis, which you can't lose that. Mm-hmm. But even even if they had lost to Florida. And that was their only loss. They wouldn't have been in the national championship contention, which is just crazy how college football used to be because Florida lost the regular season game to Florida State. Florida State beat Florida in the regular season. Then they matched up again in the Sugar Bowl. Florida killed them, and Florida is your 96 national champion. So that's college football, Chad. But, yeah, they did not – Northwestern did not – Kill, yeah, I don't know. I just it was honestly, I feel like as a kid, I might have gotten more into college football. Like, obviously, I was already predestined not to like have a team just where I lived and didn't go to a college, I had a major program, so like it was already two things against me. But I think the fact that it was so convoluted and how the champion was determined prevented me from ever really like buying in as well because. It is. I remember just being frustrated, like confused, like watching some of those mid '90s and be like, "I don't get it." Like they're just picking champions. Like it just seemed weird as a kid. Uh, so I think that that I wonder how many kids like me just got turned off by like them not having like a especially March Madness in your face. You know, it was so awesome. And then like, okay, well, basketball is cool because here's 64 teams. It's easy to follow. Whereas then you know, college football is like just complex as a kid to pay attention to. In an area where it wasn't life, you know what I mean? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal, you know? Oh, my God. Simple. Don't lose in the regular season. That's what you had to do. All right. The regular season matters. Were you into hockey as a kid? Yeah. What if they didn't have a – you didn't have a team down there. What if they just had, like, a – whatever. There's no real playoff. They just kind of – they had six games at the end of the season and picked one randomly to be the champion. Yeah, and you didn't grow up as like so a diehard fan it's of a so team. Different though, because like, I mean, in football, you knew. I mean, regional help, of course. It's just so tough, but like, it's hard. But you can't resonate because it's it was your life. Like it's life down there. It's it's ingrained in your society where it's just not up here. Well, for me, it was easy as a kid though with college football because it was like you had really like six games you had to worry about. And if you lost one, like, you knew you weren't probably going to be the champion. Like, this is a very rare occurrence in 96 where they get an immediate rematch. Like, that's stupid. And then the next year they have the co-champion. So these these are two bad years. And, and that was the precipice for the BCS. Like, you know, they started, like, after that they were like, all right, we got to do something where we have the BCS. The BCS gets more convoluted with the computer crap, but – Pretty much they got it right, I would say. You know, well, that at least made now. sense to me because it was like, okay, we, we had standings. We knew the two top teams would play. Like, right. it was something there. Before that, it just seemed so arbitrary. It was just kind of like – Yeah, before things. it depended what bowl. Like, the bowls – I mean, the bowls themselves are very – were very locked in that, like, 
your Rolls Bowl was always going to be Pac-10 champion versus Big Ten champion. Right. So you weren't going to have, like, Tennessee this year, hey, let's go out to the Rose Bowl and play Michigan, and then we'll see what happens. Like, this wasn't Yeah, why well, have the best teams play? I mean, it seems stupid, right? Well, no, no I don't think anybody argues that th- – I mean, the college football playoff changed, changes it, but you're never – I don't know of many people that even, like, diehard college football – I mean, like, the bowl seasons, whatever. Like, yeah, that's what it is. It's the best regular season with the worst pro season, except for the championship. Anyway, Glacier, it's going nowhere slow. One star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get to my hockey origin story. I, I don't know. That hockey, could be the open episode of uh, Southern Pucks or whatever. Southern so. Puck. Hockey's <laughs> just so weird. My dad was like, I talked to Aaron about this. Like, my dad was so into hockey for like a few years. And then I don't know what happened, like, or whether he was just, like, riding the Gretzky wave, and then he just stopped, and then I pretty much just, like, stopped with him. So, like, from, yeah. from nine... 90- I think it's tough. It's tough if you don't have that local team. Like, that's always been my problem with something like college football, where, like, you just don't have that local team to grasp onto. It's hard to, like... I mean, you know, people do it all the time. You pick a team as a kid, and you kind of stay with it, but um, it's hard when, it's, you know, like, they're not there especially in the nineties when nowadays I think as a kid, you could be in anyone, you could see every game at any time anywhere. But like, then it was like, I grew up as a Hornets fan in the nineties. Like they weren't on a lot. So I was like studying box scores every morning in the newspaper, you know, like, and you had to be pretty into a team to like really want to buy into that level at that point. Cause it wasn't yeah. easily accessible, you know, trolling sports center, hoping for a th- two minute highlight every team and then just reading box scores pretty much. And hope maybe they get a TNT game. Yeah, I mean those things they they stay with you. I think for sports, um, I mean NFL was the toughest sport for me to ever get into. I mean I I came on later in the NFL than any. Like in '96, I was not definitely not like living and dying on the Falcons at all. Like they were. I, I feel like baseball is going to be the entry sport for most way people. Below. Eh, maybe for people our age, but I don't know. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, for us growing up, I felt like baseball was like the entry. Like, I feel like that was, I I knew of baseball and was watching baseball way earlier than like really focusing on anything else for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's still like Caden definitely likes baseball more, but. Because it's on every day. Like, may that help. And it's summer. You're off. You know, you can kind of. Yeah. It was, I mean, I know for NFL, the main thing for me, like the toughest thing was like, we had. Sunday dinner after church with my grandparents. So it's still like, you know, like we may not get home till two, two thirty. So you're already missing some of it. So there it was. All right. Uh, <laughs> Is this sports corner? Yeah. Uh they do talk about like Glacier still being undefeated and mm-hmm. Bobby got a pretty good one liner where uh, Tony says you know, Glacier's undefeated. Not many people in the wrestling business can say that. And uh, Bobby says, yep, not Hulk Hogan. And they, like, <laughs> absolutely pop for that. Uh, outsider shirt shield that we've seen a few weeks in a row now. A million uh, for $20 million. Yeah. <laughs> so still. Uh, Benoit versus Jericho is our next match. Another great match on paper. Rematch from Fall Brawl. We get some steals of Benoit versus Jarrett from last night. Uh, Tanae says that once again, woman's presence at ringside provided a distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, woman is with Benoit again tonight. 
she comes out in like her black and red outfit with the jacket that Bobby <laughs> like he is hooting and hollering about that outfit. He, he is, is all he in. Is ready. Yeah. It's a Vince when Sonny comes out levels of or Salvia uh, Vega. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, some very quick action to start. <laughs> a quick thing, another detour. Oh well, we got Bobby <laughs> on the other show. Yeah, we'll talk about him there. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> springboard drop kick. Um, another missile drop kick to the floor from Jericho, which looked really cool, like a very like steep angle. Mm-hmm. Um, looked really good. So this is again, it's like a three minute match. Like give it more time, but it's very violent, very intense for what we see. Big chops from Jericho. Benoit catches him and stun guns him on the top rope. Uh, Jericho kind of slips out for a flash pin, but Benoit chops him back down. Jericho gets a super kick. He goes for the line salt, but misses. He's on the apron and goes to the top and is able to hit a splash. Uh, he goes for a kick kind of in the corner, but gets tied up in the turnbuckle, and Benoit hits a belly to back from the top rope that gets the win. So a three-minute, just violent, sprinty, uh, fun matchup. Uh, with these guys, I went three stars again. This is kind of in the same mold as Liger Ultimo for me. Yeah, same thing. Uh, I think you, you hit all the high spots. It was a good hard-hitting battle. Shorter than you want. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It was vicious and fun. Uh, Jericho needs a good feud. Like, he really hasn't yeah. had one since debuting. Like, he had the Nick Patrick stuff. Yeah. And that's, beyond that, and, he hasn't really had much else going on. Mm-hmm. So, and you could have to use something. That's done, I mean, for sure. That's the one thing we'll say with, like, Patrick. Like, between... Jericho and the Teddy Long thing, like it mm-hmm. seems like both of those are for sure done. So yeah, it seems like they really pushed the Patrick stuff more on Saturday night, still with the mask and all that. Like mm-hmm. seems like that's kind of where they're focusing on him. But um yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Jericho with something of substance. Uh, ben was angrier than ever <laughs> to this point. Uh, mm-hmm. He's wrestling with a lot of wild aggression uh, in the ring, and you can tell he's just pissed about what's going on inside the horseman and he's trying to prove a point. Everyone's talking shit on him and he's gotten soft and he's off with woman who God knows where he is. But when we see him, he's just like wrecking house in the ring. So uh, I went three stars as well. And it's again, to your point, if we got more of this and more of uh liger and dragon, like we're talking to a completely different show. Uh, big interview with the horseman here, Gene. Uh, Flair's wearing a Florida gator gear, which is just an ultimate. Like, he had it already, didn't have it like a couple weeks ago. He's like still with this windbreaker. I feel like he's had this yeah. a couple of times. Well, he's he's like you know, Flair can switch teams, but the ones I would say, I'd say the ones he's most consistent with is uh, the Lakers and then Florida. He's always like Florida. Uh, Deborah says she's glad to see woman. She was talking about how much she missed her just last night. Woman says, why don't you two keep your mouth shut? You <laughs> haven't been here long enough to, like, have a say over anything and whatever. By the way, so Mongo's, Mongo's, Mongo's got the full Canadian tuxedo on uh, this night, so it was exciting. <laughs> yes, and Mongo's very revved up at this. He says, mm-hmm. listen, toots. It'll be the day when a skirt like you tells me what to do. So, like him and Benoit, you know, going at it or whatever. Uh, and out comes Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett has a good, uh, you know, point where he says, like, when he first come in, Flair said he was the man who could lead the horsemen, even unite WCW. But, you know, what about Arn Anderson? You know, he, what he did last night. And then mm-hmm. woman says, hey, wait a minute, where is Arn Anderson? And Flair, of course, is like, now I can communicate. So he lets us know Arn's at the Hyatt with the <laughs> Miller Light in his hand. 
light up the cameras, turn down the lights, and then he grabs woman and dances down the aisle with her. She's legitimately cracking up at all this. Um, Benoit tries to kind of center everything back together by saying that last night Jarrett proved he could be anything he wanted except a horseman. Uh, so he walks off to a big, ooh, you know, kind of a mic drop moment there for him. Uh, Deborah says she's figured out why a woman's upset. It's just over her weight gain over the holiday. <laughs> she's just built up some hostility due to weight gain. <laughs> and that, uh, and that, you know, that, you know, Mongo could handle that little boy any day talking about Benoit. Uh, and then Flair lets us end out by saying that the horsemen are staying all night and a little longer. And, uh, you know, he basically just wants to party, which we saw in the previous promo. Um, very funny quick line where Gene says we're closing out yep. 1997 and Bobby says he just lost a year. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, I mean, you know, this is, this is like three promos happening at once. Like, yeah, I, I don't chaos. know what's going on. Like, you've got the woman, Mongo, Tension, you got Benoit, with that, but also like still with Jared, you heard nothing about Sullivan this week. Then you have Flair. I don't know what he's like. He's basically just like he's, he's become like Jerry Seinfeld of the group. He's just like cracking jokes. Like yeah, like it, I, you I got like Kramer and George arguing. Elaine's in there. And like Jerry, like he's just like, oh, it's just dance. <laughs> like he's just like not even not even talking about what's happening. He's just like ob- observing about like partying. It was, yeah, it was really, yeah. really weird. This this is, I think, definitely the weirdest stretch we've seen with Flair. Like, because, hmm. uh, I mean, I get it. Like, he's still a while from coming back. But, like, and, and maybe, like, they're trying to say, like, he's just being nonchalant, trying to keep everything together. And he's not, like realizing how much friction's gone but i mean it's it's not coming off great because he's just like grabbing woman grabbing deborah dancing around with them saying they're getting plastered at the hotel um i don't know this is this was kind of i mean this is like we said last time like it's entertaining just because of who it is but when you start to like break it down it's a mess it's a mess overall yeah I, i don't I mean, it's funny, like, like now, like, look, oh yeah, and some funny stuff, whatever. But like, as as what they're trying to get across, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just yeah, this drama. Parts of it are funny. It's kind of weird. Like, it's I don't think they're getting across. They're trying to get across in any. No, I think it's best at this point if they just like wrap the horsemen, <laughs> probably, um, and just kind of go do their own things or bring some focus to it. Like, it's. I don't know. Because they don't even talk a lot about, like, if the point is, like, oh, if the horsemen could get their shit together, they could be a threat to the NWO, but they can't stop fighting. They don't even present it that way. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, that could be a thing, right? Like, we have this elite force sitting here that could be our top guns, but one's hurt, and the rest can't get along. So what's going on? But they don't talk about it like that. Like, they have the women, women stuff with Deborah. Like I said, Jarrett now shows back up. He hasn't really been involved in a few weeks. Now he's trying to get involved again. Um, Arn's not even there. He's drinking beers at the Hyatt. Like, I don't know. Just 
the whole thing is just kind of weird. And like Flair is just like aloof about all of it. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see where it goes, but did like Mongo saying toots. Yeah. <laughs> he lives perpetually in nineteen fifty seven, Mongo. <laughs> oh boy. Uh so now time for the big meanies. <laughs> no, first we got the road report. Oh. Lee Marshall, he's at uh, Sputniks in Mon- Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, he hypes up next week's show. He says the chef at Sputniks is making a crawfish and weasel dish. So there you go. There we go. Uh, Mascarita Sagrada Atacancito Pirita Morgan and uh, Jerry Estrada. Yeah, well, it's it's Jerry Estrada's <laughs> mini, Jerrito Estrada. Uh, Tanae brings up the Win Worlds Collide pay-per-view and how that made their uh, U.S. debut for most of them. I need to look up Jarrito Estrada. I'm sure he lost one of these matches that, like, uh, Schneider talks about where, like, a couple times they'll have a mini match where, like, the winner is no longer a mini which is oh. funny. It's almost like the winner gets to become a real boy, like a Pinocchio <laughs> type match. It's, uh, it's like uh, soccer. You get you get uh, bumped up to the top it, division. It's, it's a very very odd stipulation. Like Virus, a great wrestler that shows up a few times on tape, but just a great like technical wrestler. He was at one point a mini, and then he won one of those matches, and now he's a he's a he's a big boy. Well, uh, I did like how today says like at first the Luchasaurs hated that they aped their names, but then it became mm-hmm. like an honor afterwards. So right. Uh, so uh, he does also let us know Estrada's five feet tall, which is the limit. Max. Yes. No, <laughs> yep. he's at the height restriction. Uh, I, I mean, so for all the hype of this, they get two. Two and a half minutes. Like it's it's Bobby does say it's like a riot at a daycare center. Yes. Um <laughs> and then at the end he says we'll be back after a short break. So <laughs> I mean uh, back I mean back and forth action, Sagrada gets a pin. Like the, the moves are fun. And I think this was good in showing that right like if you're used to the you know Lord Little Brook, Little Beaver uh ilk of the mini wrestlers, this is less comedy and they, they can perform some great like high flying moves and really move around. It's chaotic, but it was so brief. It was like, well, you couldn't get a sense of much of anything. So I, I gave them a two star and just moved on, but I thought it was kind of crazy how much they mentioned it throughout the show. And then they only get two and a half minutes. Yeah. I went two stars. Well, it's just kind of a gentleman's uh, two, but um, yeah, I mean, WDF obviously gets a hard on from seeing this because like a lot of stuff during this era, they bring them in not long after this. I think it's in 97 that they start to use them a bunch yeah. and they become a staple. Like they run them out a lot of times when they have a few minutes to kill or whatever over the next couple of years. Like they're on TV, they're on pay-per-view like a bunch of times. Like they just kind of fill spots. I don't think they're at the rumble already, but I feel like they show up kind of soon in WWF. Like, it's not long after this. There may be one at the Rumble, 97 Rumble. Um, but I know they show up sooner than later. Maybe it's 98. There's, there's one in there that they show up at. 98 Rumble, they have yeah, a mini yeah. match. Yep. And then they're in, like, when Super Astro starts. I think Super they use there a bunch. a big, yeah. yeah, big thing for them. So it becomes, like, a thing that they take from WCW and kind of run with for a while. Like, we'll see them for sure a bunch on Raw 97 and on pay-per-view. I know, infamously, they use them to fill time when Pillman dies on, on Bad Blood. Um, oh. That's like the fill-in match. They, they run the minis out there, so. Uh, now we get probably one of our marquee matches 
uh, matchups yeah. in 1996 WCW Ray Mysterio versus Dean Malenko. Come back from the break, they're both in the ring, so this kind of happens pretty cold. Um, so uh, you know, they're a typical good match here. We we went through it like they've had some classics, but it, this this is the same thing where you get some good like progressive, more intensity mm-hmm. throughout the match. Some good. Uh, Matt work. I thought Dean catching Ray on top and punching him and then sending him stomach first in the apron was really well done. It's the gut buster after that. And then a suplex and a half crab. And then Ray's just doing some really neat, like high flying offense to turn the momentum where he runs up the ropes and hits a drop kick. Uh, and so, so you get that, you get like the spectacular moves of Ray versus the ground and pound of Dean, for lack of a better term. Uh, so, like, Dean does a butterfly suplex, some pin reversals that goes on. Uh, Ray kind of tries to settle himself on the top rope, loses his foot and crotches himself. Um, flip up by Ray, but Dean slams him down again, showing he has the power advantage. Then Ray opens it up where he hits a huge dive on the outside, which sets up a very exciting kind of finishing stretch here where they're bridging, flipping, tons of pinfall reversals, uh, kind of ending where this match, you know, a lot of times the match ends in a 10-minute draw. A lot of times yep. when that happens, the matches are when one person's about to get the victory, you know, mm-hmm. the, the two count and, oh, the bell rings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I like that this kind of ended in a stalemate. Like, yeah, that is going. One was still kind of really had a huge advantage. It today talks about how like this reflects how the rivalry has been. Like, it's been a very even rivalry. So this might be the lowest I've ranked a match we've seen of theirs, but I still thought it was very good. Still probably gonna be like a hidden classic for us. I would say for me, uh, I went three and a quarter. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's just like the other match we talked about tonight, right? Like Liger Dragon, Jericho Benoit, now this. Like, this could have been a star-studded show if these matches lop up some of the crap and give all that time to these matches and let them really go. Um, this one feels like it maybe got the most of all those, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I thought Bobby was good, too. I was about Dean's desperation losing last night, wanting to come back with a win yeah. here tonight. Um, I thought the finish was dumb. Like, all right, fine, time limit draw, but it's not teased or set up at all. Like, it just comes out of nowhere. They didn't say it was a time limit match. It's not really been established on Nitro. It's a time limit match. It's not a TV title match. So it's like, like, why all of a sudden is there 10 minutes? Like, no other match has gone 10 minutes. Like, it just felt weird. Like, it wasn't really hyped as such um, that would make you think this was even possible. So I didn't care for the finish. Uh, But I like them. You know, like, it's not as hot or intense as usual, but it's got some of their best hits. The crowd... You mentioned it, fuck them. I mean, they were asleep even through this. Um, but whatever. They were on point. They have natural chemistry. Um, the crowd didn't care, but it, it still was great. I went three and a half. So, I mean, for the stuff I'm bitching about, I still liked it a lot. I just thought they could have had a better finish or set up for some reason why there's a time limit. Like, we just never have a 10-minute time limit on Nitro. Now there is one um, in this one match. And again, the yeah, the other one was a TV title match, um, which is fine. Like we know that's canon, like TV title on TV is 10 minutes. Like that's WCW lore. But why is this match not only a 10 minute time limit? It's never a thing that we hear about. Yeah. So All it right. just felt forced. Like All just right. do a double count out, have them have Ray hit a big plancha and they can't beat the count in or they brawl down the aisle, like whatever, you know? Yeah. I always feel like I'm more forgiving on time limits than most people. It's fine if it's established. This just wasn't established. This is like we never have draws on Nitro unless it's a TV title match. Now, all of a sudden, this match is 10 minutes. 
I kind of I kind of like cold time limit draws. I don't know. I understand that it's not very. Is any uh, other match on the show over ten minutes? Or are they all under? I guess. No, not this show. This show yeah. was like. But other nitros have matches. Oh yeah, I mean, like well, I'm sure, like we've had some Benoit. Just give uh, me some level of establishment. Matches. It could have been weeks ago. I don't care. Like they could have said, "Hey, starting now, we're gonna have ten minutes." Like, give me something. Yeah. Whatever. This felt like out of nowhere. Like we didn't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. need a clock. I don't need it to count me in. Just tell me up front. It's a 10 minute time limit, unless right. the announcer said it, but we didn't get intro, so I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The announcer for sure didn't say it. Yeah, so give me know. that even. Just let him say it, you know. Uh, ready for our main event? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Lex Luger versus Greg Valentine <laughs> with the Hollywood Blondes theme. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Hammer, bless him, pretty washed. Uh, he starts pounding away. Uh, this is mainly just to like build up Luger. They mm-hmm. again talk about his win last night. Brain confirms Nick Patrick's in the NBO, so we get that. Uh, Luger kind of pounds away, gets sent to the outside on a running charge. Hammer gives him a couple forearms, a knee to the back, and then Luger slips in the ring immediately, puts on the torture rack, and wins it in two minutes. Complete squash here. Uh, win a star. Interesting yeah, matchup. This is like one of those that, like, I wonder what year this match would have been the best. Because, like, right when Valentine starts tapering off, mm. I was thinking maybe 89, because that's, like, Luger's great year, and Hammer still was cranking it out with Garvin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think like 88, 89, this could have been like legitimately great if they were given time, but you know, it's all right. Yeah. One star and Luger's full of energy. I would say like, Oh, why do we need this? But I think this is the one of the squashes we, we did need to put over Lex from last night. We got to see him. Um, but this again, could have been earlier in the night. You could have run other stuff out there and had Dean Ray be your closer and just cut, cut the French Canadians, cut Conan. Like, you know, there's a few things we could have cut and added some time elsewhere and, and just made this show feel a little bit more meaty. Right. Uh, main event segment here with the interview. Piper comes out there. Heroes welcome. The crowd's finally alive here. Roddy says, thank you. These are the greatest fans in the world. Says there must be life on Mars because he heard a claim that Hogan won. <laughs> and all, all that can't be true because all Piper did was, or all Piper heard Hogan do last night was... <laughs> does the snoring thing that he was out he uh piper declares he is the icon he says he's been the brave heart uh talking about his kilt he's worn the kilt since he was five years old you either have to be tough to stupid to do that and uh it's kind of tough to distinguish sometimes with him uh but then he says you know this was my last fight he's getting too old for this uh, he has uh, says it was very important for him to have this fight for his pride. Right as he's talking about this, the NWO music starts up. Out comes Bischoff and Hogan, them two only to start out. Bobby wants uh, out. Yep. See ya immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me crazy every time he says that. Uh, Hogan has a huge like scowl on his face. He looks very angry. Uh, Piper lays down on the mat showing how Hogan was last night laid out after he got put to sleep. Huge Roddy chance from the crowd. Hogan says it's not going to go down that way. You're a liar, Piper. Tell him how I dogged you last night. 
Piper says he's only a dog when he wee-wees <laughs> on the fire hydrant. He's the icon. You got to smell it, eat it, and poop it, which is a weird line. Uh, Hogan tells him, tells Piper he's a lucky person. Uh, Piper says, you know, if you have something to say, why don't you spit it out? Because they do a bunch of back and forth where Hogan's <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to talk if they're getting on my case and whatnot. And Piper finally is like, quiet down. Yeah, yeah. So we can hear what he's got to say. Like, they, yeah. he just wants to get a move in here. Right. So Hogan says it's about his family. We get some big oohs from the crowd. Uh, he he reiterates the line from before where he says his son was begging him to take it easy on Pops, on Piper. Uh, Tony goes off. He shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> and, then, and then Piper says, hey, let's do it one more time. So he takes off his uh, shirt. He's ready to go. And then, of course, here comes the NWO to attack Piper from behind. Trash starts flying into the mm-hmm. ring. This may be, like, the biggest occurrence since Bash at the Beach where, like, huge cokes and popcorn was like banging off the heads of the nwo members like really just coming in uh full throttle uh so uh they go after the help of piper giant is kind of stalking out uh as hogan is choking piper we got norton out there with them uh they lift piper up and drop him on norton's knee uh, Hogan then gets a chair. He hits Piper in the hip with the chair and kind of giant standing there through all this attack. He's not like actively attacking Piper and Hogan calls for the giant to give a choke slam to Piper. So giant picks him up, puts him in the choke hold. Uh, Nick Patrick comes into the ring to help us out. Uh, and then the giant doesn't do the choke hold, just drops Piper down on the mat. That gets some big cheers from the crowd. Hogan gets back on the microphone and says, hey, we got a problem. And I like that, like, Hogan, Nash, and Hall, you can see them kind of grouping up. Yeah, they kind of huddle up. Yeah. Yep. So we get this cool visual where we have all the NWO on one side. You have Giant standing in front of Piper, who's still laying there. Uh, just a really neat, like, visual overall. The stretcher comes out to pick up Piper. And then we kind of kickstart what's going to be our next feud mm-hmm. where Hogan says, here's the deal. Talk to me. You were my brother. What's the deal, man? You dropped the ball again. You know, your first strike was last night. Your second strikes now. And then he slaps the giant says three strikes. That's enough. Uh, so then once he slaps the giant hard, the giant grabs Hogan. Hogan just freaks out. <laughs> And he kind of holds Hogan hostage here. Mm-hmm. Tells the yeah, he clears NWO out the ring. Yeah. Get out of the ring. Uh, and demands his title shot. So he asks for his title shot. Hogan is crying and yes. just like begging down, but eventually agrees. Hogan says, I'm sorry. Shakes his hand, gets out of the ring, and then immediately, of course, says, get him. So they well, all before that too is crazy. They love you. I didn't know it meant that much to you. Like, yeah. like that was funny because like all he's done is bitch about it. Jai. He's like, I didn't know it meant that much. You know, yeah. I thought you were just joking. I didn't realize you really wanted this title shot. Um. So uh, NWO just starts swarming in. Buff Bagwell comes off the top. He gets shoved off. Uh, Vince gets a big choke slam. NWO's team gets choke slam. Nash then attacks and they all swarm in again. They kind of hold the giant at bay hogan hits him with the belt bobby says this is disgrace and hogan says you know this was you were my best friend but you dropped the ball and then hogan hits 
giant with the belt in the face. While all this is going on, Piper's getting carted away on the stretcher screaming. So it's just a lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. You got like a lot of screaming, a lot of crowd heat. It's it's pretty chaotic. Uh, But yeah, Hogan hits him in the head with the belt. And then we fade out with Piper leaving in the ambulance. So a pretty, uh, I thought a pretty great NWO angle on here. You know, here we go. We say it again. Like, I did not remember this one either. Like, I did not remember this face turn um, for Giant. It becomes so cliche, but yeah, I thought it was well done. Like, I didn't have issues with this. I, I didn't, you know, like in watching it back for this show i didn't think it was like too brief um i mean you could have stretched it out but i i thought yeah, it made been sense kind of stretched. I liked like it. yeah you don't need much more like he's he has a legit beef like he's not got they had him in world war three to protect hogan he won he earned a title shot he wants a title shot and not only they're not giving it to him they're running down they're running him down so he's been sitting yeah. on the sidelines for months he's been on ice doing hogan's bidding He's wasted four months, five months of his prime, and now they're all shitting him, shitting on him. So he's like, "Why am I going to stick around with this bullshit? <laughs> like, give me my title match. I'm not doing your bidding anymore until you give me a title match. You're not going to give it to me. I'm out." And I, I liked it too. I thought uh, it was a wild final segment. I thought the show honestly was flailing a bit. I think this saved it from being like maybe one of the lower end nitros we've seen uh, overall. Like this definitely was a home run. Giant yeah. turning to made all the sense of the world. Like he's he was one of our top we'll talk about next episode but one of our best guys in 96 we, we've been super into him but he's been wasted the last few months like he really hasn't done a lot so why not use him as a top guy for hogan we're not the sting yet they're clearly not ready for luger yet even though in theory luger should probably be ready for hogan based on where we're going um piper's seems like he's done savage is gone so like you know who is there so why not turn giant back they need a top guy he's never really lost clean Hogan fucked him at Road Wild. He never got his rematch. So, like, why not go for yeah. it? Um, the other thing, too, when Piper's getting carted out, he's, like, yelling in, like, some gibberish language. So yeah. we'll, we'll hear the more about that songs. in future weeks. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but, ah, you know, <laughs> being uh, carted out. So, yeah. uh, anyway, so I, there was a strong ending to what I, I thought was a shakier, kind of a disappointing Nitro coming off the big show. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting Nitro because I think there was matches that we said were good. There were segments that we liked, but there was also a lot of weird stuff too. So it's, yeah, it's I think the individual unusual. pieces were actually better than the sum yep, this week. I agree. I agree. All right, so our awards quick. Uh, match of the night uh, to me was easily Mysterio versus Malenko. Yep, his uh, is a hidden gem. Uh, moment, Giants turn. Yep. Uh, MVP, I'm with Hogan. I, I liked him yeah. in both promos. I thought he was a good catalyst in the yeah, well, all three, good. really. He was in the beginning, too, with the limo. Yep. Very good, Hogan. All right. I didn't catch any shots fired. Nope. All right. Uh, debuts we had Octagoncito, Masquerita yep. Sagrada, Morgan, and Estrada. Yep. Uh, Road Report, Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Sasaki used the, the classic Japanese music, mm. so we get that. And uh, final grade, I went six out of 10. I was I was leaning five ish until that close, you know, with with the Ray match, the Luger squash, and the main event all kind of bumped it up to late. Not the main, but this, the promo bumped it up at the end for me. Um, but I, I gotta say, this to me was definitely a little disappointing. When you look at recent scores, like seven and a half, eight, 
seven, eight and a half, a Starcade. This felt like a step back after what's been like a real hot like three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I went six out of ten, too. I think you could have tightened it up and it could have been a very good show. But it's the worst you know, in a month. I, like I had December 2nd at five and a half. Some stuff's out of their control, like the crowd, but they definitely could have helped with the booking, too. And just the yeah. pacing, like you didn't need some of these matches. So, um, all right, before we get to Raw, real quick, uh, did you want to talk about the passing of Dean Rasmussen from DVDVR? Uh, obviously, very sad. Um, this is our first yeah. one recording since he passed, so yeah. that's why we're getting to it now. But, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past, like we both kind of grew up with Death Valley Driver, yeah, it was our first big influence. I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours and hours, and anyone who grew up as any kind of internet wrestling fan in the early 2000s to mid 2000s, like knows Dean in all capital letters with the yeah. uh, Till tilde and, mm-hmm. and the exclamation point. I mean, right, that's yeah. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Uh, you know, him and and you start to see the names that were popping up on Twitter paying homage or people sharing memories like um, like Phil and others, you know, that, that just kind of brought back in some memories of those long form reviews and the discussion topics and definitely started like the turn. You know, I think guys like Will and PWO pushed it further, but like the turn away from the obsessive of work rate shit that seeped into the mindset the culture in the early 2000s and late 90s for better or worse there was all about work rate work rate work rate uh, you know small guys fast guys i think guys like dean yeah uh, were big influences on opening your eyes to beyond that again to the benefits of big guys and different styles and you know the comedy stuff that still worked as legit stuff and finding those hidden gems and he was just a big part of that um you know i wasn't as dialed in on some of the projects and stuff but obviously knew him well read a ton of his stuff um you know, I joked earlier, not jokes, but, you know, tongue in cheek, I guess that GoFundMe list was like a, just a who's who of wrestling signatories from the Internet yeah. over the last 20 years. There's like just names left and right. And you say this about a lot of people that passed away lately, sadly, um, but another guy that you didn't see anything, anything negative about, like just outpouring and the influence that he gave. Um, it was definitely just a sad, sad day when, you know, the news broke that he was close. And then like the next day he was gone. Right. Yeah, it was it was sad. Um, I I think I don't know. It gets when you start to think about stuff like it gets weird where like it can feel like your your self worth or whatever. But I always feel like Dean in some ways was like a great grandfather of like my progression as an Internet wrestling fan, you know, where it's like. He was the pioneer on Death Valley Driver, and then you had Will and Charles on the PWO, and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, now you, you go another layer down that, and then you can see, like, even people now younger than me, like a lot of the Wrestling With Words guys that have, like, continued to carry that that sort of hardcore, uh, you know, one, one percenters, you know, of, like, your hardcore, hardcore wrestling fans. Um, so, so I didn't have a ton of direct interaction with Dean, but when I did, it was always very pleasant. Um, it was later on, like dealing with the, uh, some of the projects like the, uh, all Japan 1980s sets and whatnot. Uh, so it was right when Dean was pretty much like riding off into the sunset as far as like writing or whatnot, um, 
but but yeah i mean it, obviously somebody i read a lot and uh as i mentioned like really him with the podcast was that was like a sneaky influential thing because those i mean the the podcast scene was so i mean you talked about it with place to be like it was so not much was there mm at all you had like Meltzer and Keller hotlines and yeah. the Bruce Mitchell audio show but all that was those were like they were the journalists you know the news sources and they did their own shows um and then you had between the robes which was kind of with uh Brian Fritz right and um you had the law guys that was doing some stuff too but again that felt like more official um so when Seth Sig- Bates was like an early one that um you know he was doing like the he had just got fired he did the behind the scenes stuff right like where he was and mm-hmm. uh Lagana like they were doing their stuff yeah right um right. you know that that kind of was like the first insider look at things always, you know? it always yeah. felt like it was more like official people though within it yeah, like yeah, not, yeah. Not team is a true fan right fan based right yeah. so that that's that's one thing I liked about the Segunda Kaida mm-hmm. um because because this was also a time where I had started, like, I mean, I started lurking at Death Valley Driver in 2000 at some point, um, but, you know, wasn't heavily posting and wasn't like that and was like that for 10 years. Like, I, I never was like a prominent poster, didn't have any like internet friends or nothing like that, just kind of hung around and read and, you know, interacted here and there, but never really plugged in fully. And Dean and them on the Segunda Caeda, but I think you really got the flair with Dean, like in those early Segunda Caeda podcasts that was on talk shoe where you had to like dial on the number and just call up. Like, like Dean would be like on, on Wednesday nights, like you could hear like his family, just like all this going on in the background. And he was like, Oh, I'll be gone for 20 minutes. I gotta go pick up my daughter from church. And like, he'd leave and come back. And yeah. I remember one time it was like his son's birthday party. So he was like, hang on, let me sing happy birthday to my son. And then two minutes later, he's talking about a Dick Murdoch match. Um, so it's, 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 it's pretty funny. Um, Another like podcast memory. I, one year they were talking about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, and uh, and they were going down the list of nominees. And like the first nominee, Phil Schneider says, like at that point was like Abdul the Butcher, and like Dean was like, "Wait a minute, you're telling me Abdul the Butcher is not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame?" And Phil was just like, "This right, is going right. to be the whole list. Like Dean wants to put everybody in. He's like appalled that nobody's in." But yeah, I mean, he just seemed like a great guy that you know, very wholesome, uh, very influential. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, like you said, really plugged you into a different type of wrestling, really changed that mindset narrative where like, you know, these, uh, a lot of people talked about how like they discovered battle arts through him. So a lot of like Japanese wrestling, but I, I would say even like your people like Dick Murdoch and stuff right, like that, right. like those were people that if you grew up, in the age I did, like predominantly WWF and then some WCW mixed in, like Dick Murdoch was like, oh, you know, who's this fat redneck guy? And then you watch his matches and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. And same like somebody like Buddy Rose. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you weren't like tuned into Meltzer or any of the sheets or whatever, like your early progression was Keith, CRZ, you know, some order there. Right. And then you found message boards. It was DVR, Smart Marks Forum. Yep. 
PWO. Like, you know, like that was kind of like the five right there, right? Like yep. that to me at least, that was my journey. Was you know, little stuff sprinkled in one other and arena, all that shit. Yeah, and yep. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah wrestling classics, but yep. 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 And uh, Russell Crap. I mean, that was a big one early on, right? Yep. I mean, so there was a lot of that. Yep. Uh, but that was kind of the progression. But DVR was there. And the green, for, for as absurd as it was as a look, it stood out. Like the green mm-hmm. made you immediately a DVR. I'm on DVR. I see the green board. I know where I'm at. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely stood out. So, you know, rest in peace to Dean. If anyone wants to share any memories in the comments here, too, uh, feel free. But we definitely lost a legend of the uh ex- lever expanding circle of the internet wrestling community for sure so yeah i mean you see like i don't know like it, it just it just goes to show like it's one of those things where it's like a domino effect right like i didn't interact with him like i said personally very much mm-hmm. at all but i mean he obviously had an effect on that so like if i hadn't have discovered those guys if i hadn't have progressed my fandom the mm-hmm. way i did by seeing these guys you know show me other stuff would I still be a wrestling fan? Who knows? So, you know, yeah. you don't know. And it, it, it goes for anybody. Like, you saw, like, you know, like Tony Khan donated $5,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Oh, he was a big member of that. Yeah, that it, goes, it, goes, it goes all the way up. Like, I mean, that's... Yeah. So. Anyway. Okay. Well, we're going to pay tribute to him by reviewing a crappy Raw and see if we can find yeah. anything redeeming about it. So let's I'm head right. to December 30th, 1996. It is our final show we're going to talk about in the year 1996 from the Knicker Barker Arena in Albany, New York. Uh, we open with Vince McMahon narrating a video package, the ongoing issues between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. We're going to have a face to face tonight. We get quick promos from each, just kind of giving warnings. And as you mentioned earlier, Chad, this is a live Raw. So it's kind of a rare non-night after pay-per-view live raw i think they had too many weeks between in your house and the rumble so they kind of did yeah. two weeks uh in florida now they go up north here and i guess then they're gonna go back to texas but but uh yeah, we'll kind of like bouncing all over here yep did you hear well, what sean said in his line what do he say he says i'm wwl's favorite degenerate oh there you go a little yeah. foreshadowing perhaps mm-hmm. the uh i wonder if they wanted to get back up north too to do shotgun because they're going to do that live right after this, so they just um, wanted to be up north for that. I, I think I think it's more of a calendar thing too, because like you know the holiday they always do that straight. Yeah, MSG and everything. So. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, we get our opening animation. We then head to the ring for our opening match, which is Farouk and Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on the real Double J Jesse James and Savio Vega. Uh, quite the tag match here. Yeah, Farouk and Austin is such a such a random freaking team right now. Um, I kind of like it in a way because it feels like the old classic early 90s WCW, like just random tag matches you get on Saturday night, with like two top heels against two mid-card fans. Like this, the format feels kind of cool. Like, uh, you know, Dustin and Shane Douglas take on Austin and Root or something like that. It just felt kind of like they were coming together for a big tag. Uh, Vince wishes a happy new year as we go right to the ring. Farouk is out PG-13. Austin follows. Uh, we find out that Austin was beaten by two jobbers on superstars due to a fluke, and then he destroyed their ankles after the bell. Out comes Jesse James. Austin attacks James in the aisle, beats the shit out of him until Savio makes a save. We start officially. Vega gets some offense. Austin fires back. Farouk tags in, gets a spine buster for two. The crowd is just, for a live show, the first match of the night, just in a coma. 
Uh, Vega gets his boot up on a charge. Brett is watching backstage. Farouk catches Salvia with his head down. He tags Austin to pours it on. Vega gets a flash near fall. Austin's tight all over him. Runs into a spin kick, though. Salvia goes an enziguri. Tags Jesse James for the likely the quietest hot tag in history. James gets a bulldog for two to a smattering of claps. Austin seeks out and tags Farouk. James comes back on loads of flurry, but misses a charge of flops to the floor. Austin takes out his leg. Bret Hart comes out, and the crowd finally wakes up. Austin and Farouk stand in the ring as Brett helps out James, uh, but he's in really rough shape from the knee. Uh, Brett lobbies to take Jesse James's place as we go to break. When we come back, Brett is on the apron. He's in his jeans. Farouk is working over Savio. Savio breaks a sleeper with a jawbreaker. Austin blocks the tag. Austin cranks a chin lock. Vega rallies and cuts through him until he eats knees on a splash. Vega gets an electric chair on Farouk. And we get the uh, first, I think, official Nation of Domination for Uko. Oh, oh, please, please, no. When uh, he's standing over Salvio, Salvio stands up. We're going to track those along the way. <laughs> Brett finally gets a tag. The crowd wakes up as he cleans house. Brett loads the sharpshooter on Farouk. Crush jumps him, and they beat Brett and Vega until Ahmed comes out. He saves with the two-by-four. He challenges Farouk to a fight. Vince confirms that Farouk and Ahmed Johnson will be fighting at the Royal Rumble. Uh, and that's that. So... <laughs> fine tag match like it's fine but i mean this literally may be the quietest crowd in raw history like we've had some bad crowds but this match was the like, dead silence you didn't think it was silent yeah i don't yeah. know what was in the water i mean my god they were just comatose like it was like you could literally hear like one clap when james yeah. did that bulldog yeah um you know austin and farouk could be lethal if they like worked as a team that just kind of existed as two pieces in a team. Uh, Salvio and Jesse or whatever, just a team here. Uh, Brett woke the crowd up, so good on him, I guess. Um, you know, they drew it out. They had the, That woke up the Vega hot heat segment, at least when Brett was waiting on the apron. Um, you know, why not have Vega at his job? You know, he could have done that, too, instead of the DQ. Uh, whatever. I went two and a half because the match, again, to me, was fine. It's just all in the crowd. It was just fucking asleep. Yeah, maybe a holiday thing, but like both raw and nine. Largesse. Holiday largesse. I guess. Uh, I went two and a half, two. Like the glass shatter gets zero pop, which is weird to see. Like this may be the last time that legitimately gets no reaction. <laughs> like we talked about it. Um, <laughs> he never cools off. And yeah. Uh, so uh, we haven't had, actually had Vega for a while. It's been like a month or so, I think. Banged um, up, maybe. Yeah, no, no raw some commentary too. Like usually mm -hmm. the commentary booth. Sometimes, a lot of times that's four, four right. more in the booth. This is just King and Vince. Uh, the match itself was fine. Like I, I think Brett coming in helped things. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought James getting a text and getting a song was funny, and uh, you know, Nation of Dominations looking pretty good, and for uh, Ahmed still looks hot. You know, like that's the one thing I, I, I didn't. It, it'll be interesting to track him too as we go to 97. Like, yeah. if, if it's just the injuries is really what does him in, or if the crowd is starting to wane on him before. But, like, right now, like, besides Brett, he probably got the second best reaction here. It wasn't like they hated him. I mean, they weren't over excited for anything, <laughs> right. but of all things considered, like, he he got a better reaction than Austin. And you think, oh, yeah. like, well, who's, yeah. who's been getting the bigger? pushed in the last couple months the biggest pop was easy though was, oh, please no please no <laughs> all right uh speaking of the dead uh we go to george and adam they're in the alamo dome talking about christmas oh, they're still wait they're still waiting there through the holidays at the alamo dome yeah. 
Thanks for the Christmas present. What Christmas present? Exactly. So. Uh, Vince hypes up the Royal Rumble coming on January 19th. He thinks Brett may have a target on his back and yeah. be out of the Rumble quickly. Well, he's going to be done. the first one out. He yeah. said, like, they could be the first one out. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, the uh, they put that announce table so close to the guardrail, mm-hmm. and the, there's a kid that, like, is just constantly like bothering King and like yes. kind of like swatting at him, and you could tell like King is ready to just like legitimately sock this fan. Like yeah, he's, he's just like all on his grill. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Vince hypes that up, uh, and he says, you know, only one man tried to help Brett tonight when he was getting jumped, and that's proof right. that he's going to be targeted. All right, to the ring we go. Flash Funk takes on Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Flash and the Funkettes are out. Vince is horned up as always. Hunter joins from backstage. He puts over Flash as a wrestler. Says he doesn't deserve a title shot, though. Vince says, well, it is non-title, so maybe you're right. Uh, Hunter defends against Goldust at the Rumble, and he says he'll take care of Goldust and show Marlena what a real man is like. Uh, Flash dances out for a while. We get Goldust music. He saunters out with Marlena down the stairs. He sits up in the crowd. After a break, Hunter's in the ring. We get set. Flash peppers around on Hunter to start. Throws him around. Dances while he does it. Flash keeps flipping through Hunter. Hits a nice kick and a moonsault press. Flash misses a cross body block. Hunter takes over this methodical offense. King keeps taking shots at Goldust and Marlena. Hunter works over Flash. Hunter cuts off a comeback. He's grinding as King keeps going in on Goldust over and over. Vince is arguing with him. Hunter goes to a chin lock. We go to a break with the full medal. Uh, after the break, Hunter goes into an abdominal stretch. Flash breaks free. Hunter gets back to work as Vince hypes up the debut of Shotgun Sire Knight, live for the Mirage nightclub in New York City. Hunter keeps clubbing away as King gets on the house mic and rips Goldust, tries to bait him down, calls him a freak. Flash mounts a comeback, gets a twisting press for two. Hunter grabs the belt, he hits Flash with it, and picks up the win. Goldust stalks King to the back. Hunter follows, but Funk stops him and makes a save. Flash throws Hunter in the ring and hits the funky Flash splash otherwise known as the bomb in the ECW arena. Uh, fine match, kind of slow, uh, but it's Hunter. He's proficient in not being exciting. So it's his specialty. Uh, just kind of grinds along. Flash had a couple nice spots, but the energy just matched the dead crowd. King derailed it with the getting on the mic and baiting Goldust, but everyone was asleep by then anyway. Uh, finishes whatever. Hunter can never win clean. Never wins clean. Gets worked after the bell on top of it. So I don't, I don't know what how this makes him look good at all. He uses the belt to beat Flash Funk, who's not been presented super strong. And then Flash works him over. Uh, two and a half. This is a match. Like we could talk about the progression of Hunter. Like with like, all right, you're in there with Scorpio. You got some time. Like give us something. And it's like him and Mero constantly get these chances to like, you know, impress and they don't do anything with it. Yeah. I I I thought this was like my least favorite Hunter match in probably a while. Yeah. yeah Cause even with the, even with the marrow stuff, it's like, you can blame him for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Funk has a terrible gimmick as we talked about, but he was, go. Uh, not, yeah, he's Funk. not working a style that's hindering him in ring. I mean, I thought, I thought he was ready to like grab it up at points in this match and Hunter actively yeah, yeah. like dogged it and drug it to stop like with chin locks and just nothing that was helping. Um, there was, there was zero heat for this match, which was also awful. And then I don't know if it was just like the lack of reaction or their audio was screwed up, mm-hmm. but you hear like this, like spattering of clapping at one point that is just like very loud. Like it's just like, it's so loud and that's all you hear these two guys that are clapping in this big crowd and it 
drove yeah. me nuts. That's how I heard I'm that not... opening in the opening match too. It's like yeah. that's how dead it was. You could hear like individual clapping. It's very bad. Uh, the stuff with Goldust and King. Uh... I mean, we talked about that, like, after Goldust declared he was not gay, in fact. Like, Vince even brings it up. He's like, well, you found out what Goldust is not. Like, right. we're still going with that. Like, I understand they're facing each other tonight, but, you know, who cares? Like, they're derailing the match. So, overall, this this was a pretty I, – I found this to be a pretty big uh, loss for the mid-card in WWF at the time because these are – guys that all have some sense. These are the young guys that they're trying to push mm-hmm. and they should be able to have something. This this should yeah. have been a minimum three star. Like yeah. None given of the time they get much. and who's involved, like, you know. All right, we get a shotgun promo. It's gonna be a rock and smoking sexy good time for Todd Pettengill. Uh then we see Shawn Michaels backstage. He's in a surly mood. Uh he's ready for the big showdown in a few moments. We get a hype for the WF live tour. They'll be in San Diego, Stockton, Los Angeles, Fresno, San Jose, Anaheim, Las Vegas, and then El Paso before the Rumble. So it's a weird tour they got going on. Like they were in Florida, now they're in New York, then they're going to the West Coast, and then Texas. <laughs> I, don't know, just, yeah, I guess they're driving felt, back home. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. I don't know, it kind of felt random. Um, let's go see Marty Robbins in El Paso to wrap it up. Uh, JR is in the ring. He brings out Shawn Michaels a big pop. Brett follows. He's smirking a bit. Ross hypes the rumble. He says Hart has to face Vader next week, and Shawn will be on commentary and promises he will not interfere. Ross wants to start with Shawn, but Shawn defers. He plays up the greatness of the almighty Brett. He's just a low-life degenerate. You know, Brett can go first. Brett's ready to unload and says that Shawn just did. He finds so disrespectful his overall attitude and talking about how much he respects Jose Lothario. But when Jose jumped on the apron and cost Sean the title, the next day he got up and apologized for interfering. But Sean learned nothing from that. He didn't learn anything about respect and integrity because when Sean cost Brett the title, there was no apology. And that's just the beginning. When Brett looks at Sean, he thinks about getting screwed at WrestleMania. And Sean promised to carry the belt with pride in class and never came close. Brett has two sons at home. They used to look up to Sean, but now he's at the bottom of the barrel posing for Playgirl, and he doesn't think girls are the ones that buy that magazine. That's a pretty famous line, which I thought came later. Maybe he says it again later, but I didn't realize that it came this early. Brett finally gets a new mic because the old one was cutting out on him. Brett says, Sean has degraded the title. If you're not 14 years old and female, if you're a male and you have an opportunity to see what kind of man Sean is, he wants to know, who's Marin Arya? Sean's cost him the Sean cost him the belt. He sat and watched Sean what he did to WF. He's got no class, he's a disgrace, and welcomes a chance to get in the ring, title or not, which is a key line because obviously at this point the, the plan is WrestleMania non-title, right? Uh so he says, title or not, I'm gonna promise you that Sean, all the dancing in the world won't save you. He's gonna kick his ass just because he can. Brett was really feeling it, I thought, at the end there. Vince says Brett showing no class. <laughs> Uh, not Sean, it's Brett. Sean says he hopes Brett got the bug out of his butt and says that he sees Brett on the road and Brett's no role model either, and that's a fact. So that was a pretty good dig by Sean. Uh, before Sean can really get going, though, Sid comes out and grabs the mic. He says he's played the game with both guys. They both lost. It's his title. What he wants is some real competition. The gong hits, the lights dip, and Undertaker emerges. He comes out to a big pop, but Vader jumps him from behind. They brawl. Sid comes down and stares down Taker, but Vader knocks him over. Taker stalks Vader to the back as Brett standing between the ropes. Sean kicks the middle rope into Brett's nuts and then jumps out of the ring and brawls with Sid. And that's that. So uh, after very a lot of sluggishness on Raw, I, like this was a nice sign that maybe the main event scene is really catching fire. Like it's clear they see all these guys in the mix and we didn't even have Austin, but we had Brett, we had Sean, we had Sid. 
We had Taker, we had Vader, all establishing that they're main event players. Um, the hate between Brett and Sean feels very real here. I thought this was the most direct and in their faces they've gotten. I was surprised. I did not remember the shooting starting like this early. Like in my mind, Brett was kind of antiseptic until after the rumble ramped up a bit. And then the Brett Sean stuff really started in earnest, like in the spring. I did not remember in December that like they were in there with some of these lines, like Sean basically saying Brett cheats on his wife and Brett saying, you know, Sean's gay. Like all this stuff is, you know, pouring out here at the end of December. And we're not even close to mania at this point. So, um, you know, they're getting the early hype in for sure. Taker coming out with Sid. You can see that they were definitely leaning toward a Taker Sid and a Brett Sean mania setup. Like, I think it's pretty clear. And I don't know if Vader's just kind of a red herring right now, but it seems like that's the path they're going with these guys. Yeah, I think the hate is palpable, obviously, between Brett and Sean. Um, I like the segment. I think my main issue is still with Sean and how he acts in these segments. I thought it's this was better, I, though. I I still didn't think, like, it's still tough for me, like, to have any, I mean, I guess maybe I'm not 14 or a girl, so maybe Brett was talking to me, but, um, you know, like, I, I can't get behind, like, how you would cheer for him right? in this. Um, and that's that's where... Like, if I want to compare it between the two shows, like, I thought this was a good segment, right? I thought Hogan versus Piper was great, though, because that's like, I like both of them. And I'm really surprised at saying that because, like, I really thought, and I'm sure, I mean, he does go off the rails, but so far, like, Piper's been locked in, right? Like, yeah. Like, I've been surprised at how locked in he's been on the WCW side, which I wouldn't have anticipated compared to this but but uh, i mean this was certainly a step in the right direction like you had all the guys out there there's a lot of mayhem Vince it, is, it felt alive like and we don't get that a lot right now overall like but it felt like all right there's something going on like there's stakes there's heat like these yeah. guys don't like each other and they want the world title like and there's a mix of guys to the world title it's not sean's contender of the month like it just it felt like finally we're kind of it just felt awoke you know Pat. Pat sweaters out of control. Pat Patterson sweater. Oh, I, I did think another like minor critique is like the slingshot dive that Sean does on top of Sid looks really good, mm-hmm. but then their like little brawl before everybody gets in was pretty horrid. <laughs> like they're just it was one of those like you know like insanely right. wild punches that had no chance of hitting. The kick to the rope into the nuts was funny though. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good segment. I, again, I just didn't remember just some of that classic stuff coming in this promo. Like, well, they did. I mean, you, you the really play girl and like, Brett saying, whose guy are you? Like, I would have guessed that was like March, like yeah. not here, you know? I mean, I mean, Sean and Brett, you know, they, they didn't really like, like each other for a while, but. I mean, we're at the stage now where they they hated each other. Like, it, I mean, it's legitimately they hated each other for over a year, I'd say, before Montreal. So it yeah, you yeah. you can see it. it. It it's 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 definitely a slow like bubbling, 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 and then I mean they have the fight like legit fight before that. But it's like, interesting it's what crazy what the plan for Austin was. 
Because Bulldog, it's, I, think, I still think Bulldog. Yeah, Bulldog, right. We talked about that. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think they thought Pillman was going to be back. Um, right. Yeah, so it's Bulldog. Yeah, it's, it's Brett, Sean, Taker, Sid, Austin, Bulldog. Yeah, yep. That definitely seems like your top three. And then, and then I think Mankind Vader Nation. was on the books, too. Yeah. And then Nation versus uh, yeah. Ahmed. Ahmed and, some, and, that's, yeah. and that's pretty much. That's your you five. Know. Yep. Yeah. I mean that's that's a pretty good five. It, it's yeah. tough to take a world where you lose Brett Austin at all, but I mean if they would have gone in with that five, Brett Sean with some heat, not just face face, um, you know, Taker Sid, we already know what that's going to be. Austin Bulldog, I think would have been good. Uh, Mankind Vader, you know, if they let them go at it. Yeah, it's Maybe. just interesting to think like if you could have get, um, yeah, I mean the key there's gonna be getting Brett versus Sean to be mm-hmm. like a hot angle, like beyond like like bringing their real life animosity on screen and developing intrigue. Well, the plan it was thirteen was where they said the plan was to Brett or was that Brett's suggestion, right? Wasn't it to break Sean's ankle with the fake fake foot or whatever? Hmm. I think Brett talks about it in his book. I think it was Maybe. they had talked about doing an angle where Brett does like an ankle lock and like break Sean's ankle and they were gonna use like a gimmick boot or something and twist it and then mm. Sean would come back eventually and get the win back or something like that. Or you know, however Brett would march on to lose to Austin, whatever it was, but that right. was like the that's kind of what Brett talked about in his book, I think. Okay. All right, we get a rumble promo by Vince and then head to our main event, uh, our last match of 1996. Kind of fitting it's Goldust, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's been the Salt Ward in 96, uh, taking on Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, Hunter Selmsley and Honky Tonk Man are in the booth. King heads out. We get our Starburst Rewind. We go back to earlier when Ahmed cleaned house after the break. Goldust is in the ring. He hops down, tries to get at Hunter. King jumps from behind. King peppers away. He chokes at Goldust as Hunter talks shit about taking Marlena. Honky Tonk Man says he's going to find the next great Intercontinental Champion, which I think is actually pretty funny. It's like another subtle burial of Hunter because not only did he like get punked earlier, Honky is sitting next to the IC champion and says, I'm going to find the next great champion. <laughs> Like, yeah. like he's not even considering Hunter as a great champion. Like, yeah. it's like such a subtle <laughs> shot at Hunter. <laughs> Hunter on commentary right after he says that. Says, well, look no farther than right here. And Anki's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like he's just cocking him right in the booth. It's like, it's so, so weird. Like, it's like, you know, as much as you always say, like, oh, they were over pushing Hunter. Like, he still hasn't been pushed strong. Like, perfect how to save him in the master plan. He's looked like kind of a bitch through all this stuff. Like, I guess we'll see in 90s. I mean, obviously we know what's coming, but for now, like, yeah. he's still kind of presented like a, like a flunky. Well, I mean, ironically, being, like honky, I guess. He's being pushed as their traditional heel, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, how many competitive matches does somebody like Rick Rude win clean? Yeah. Like Bobby yeah. still had to pull Warrior's leg for him to but win. But that's I Warrior. Think. I mean, we're talking Flash Funk on TV. I mean, Rude, I mean, it's, you know, it's who yeah. they got. Like just beat him. Just beat one guy. You know, it's like just yeah. beat anyone. Except for Mero. He beats Mero well, like this, a fucking drum. I mean, this <laughs> shows, everyone else. Right. This shows their progression, though, like where like they are having these quote unquote competitive matches that they never had, like in the But your IC champion should I mean I know it's unique right now because they have five main event guys, like five or six deep on the main event. So in most years, the IC champion is probably like your second guy in theory, right? Like right now, he's probably their seventh best. So fine, maybe he's not as strong as a traditional IC champion, but like just this episode alone, he looks like a bitch. Like he barely beats Flash Funk, he gets laid out, 
And then here, Honky Tonk Man of all freaking people is like putting him in the shine box. Like, yeah, I'm going to find the next great champion, not you. Don't you think that's just how they booked heels? I mean, Vader looked like a bitch and look how big he is. Like, that that's just how they booked heels. I mean, they're either. Vader like, got over that, like on TV. Psychopath. Clean. Huh? I mean, but they're. I, Vader like ran away from everybody. Like, yeah, he but he got, broke Yoko's leg. He beat Sean. Yes, but he still beat like, up Warrior. Like, he did stuff. Steps back. We talked about it. I mean, you're never going to put like, all right, like his size advantage. I'm not defending. I mean, it's terrible. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what else I would have expected at this point. Hunter like, should yeah, be flashed along with the from that. They should have progressed from that, but they hadn't shown. I'm not asking for a lot. Two things on the show could have changed the, the presentation. Beat Flash Funk with the pedigree. Not crazy. Just have a competitive match. Flash gets a close near fall. Hunter catches him with the pedigree. It's a flash move anyway. So hit it and he wins. And then Honky doesn't like Honky could have just talked a little bit more about Hunter. Just... Hey Hunter, you're a great champion. Uh, I'm getting ready in case down the line. Like, like just do the heel thing where they're fluffing each other up. He's not even doing that. Like Honky's just like, you know, it act like he doesn't exist. I don't know. Like I said, unless it's Mero, Hunter never does anything. He he kicks the shit out of Mero, though, every single time. It's a high, high expectation for Honky to be uh, self-aware to uh, help everybody else. <laughs> well, Vince could have plugged it along a little bit. Right. Um, Hunter does say he's the greatest. He says, maybe Honky will pick you, and Honky <laughs> just ignores it. Uh, King takes over. He chokes on Goldust. Uh, Hunter leaves the booth to get closer to the ring. Honky says, guys like Hunter get too distracted. Hunter scoops up Marlena, carries her away, but Mero shows up to block their path. Goldust talks after him and clobbers Hunter. Uh, Hunter and Marlena flop to the floor. <laughs> Hunter, this is like, I mean, if this doesn't sum up Mark Merrow's 1996, I don't know what it does. So Hunter throws Goldust <laughs> into the railing, where like toward the back of like the aisle near the raw letters or whatever. <clears throat> he throws uh, Goldust to the railing. Merrow is like keeled over in the aisle. He gets up. Hunter just walks over and just slugs him in the fucking face. And Merrow just drops. Um, and then Hunter and then King is in the ring. He wins by count out. And that's it. Marlene is on the ground. But like Hunter did nothing this whole night until Mero comes out. And then he knocks him out like his fucking Mike Tyson in 1989. Yep. Like it was just like hilarious. And like Mero just goes down like a load of bricks. It's like Mero just looks like such a bitch at all times with Hunter. I mean, even here, he comes out to save Marlena. He can't even get at like Hunter just punches him in the face and he falls over. Whatever. To me, it was like a coda on Mero's year of 96, where he just, he never did anything productive and got worked by Hunter every time they fought. I want a star in a quarter. This is a fucking debacle. Yeah, star for me, Lawler winning the last match in 1996. Kind of Stupid. That's not good. No, Mero again punch was the only highlight. Of the whole thing for me. Well, I, I did like him catching Marlena, the gold us immediately <laughs> running into him. That was a mini. It just looked like a stooge out there. I don't know. Yeah. Like, Mero needs a change. He needs, like, you know, I, I know they were kind of planning it coming up, so we'll see, but like, he needed a heel turn or something. Like, he's he's going nowhere. Like, he's just lost completely right now. He's yeah. He's been lost for a while. He's really, since Austin, it was that, that trio of Austin beat him twice and then gold us beating him at SummerSlam. And then getting hosed by perfect and being the patsy. Like, he's just never recovered from any of that. Right. All right. All right. Uh, I guess match of the night was the tag. Yeah. Austin Farouk. No other choice. Um, the Hart Michaels face to face segment of the night. Yep. I gave Brett MVP. Yep. Uh, shots fired. I didn't have any. Nope. No debuts. 
Nope. Uh, we had the one fruit, please no. Uh, I mean, for all my complaints, I ended up going five out of ten. Um, yeah. Like the matches were both two and a half, the big matches, so middle of the road. Um, you know, we had some bad at the end, but I, I liked Brett and Sean a lot. So like everything kind of washed to an even Steven for me. Yeah. Five out of ten. Like without Brett and Sean, though, we're talking maybe one. Oh, well, that's... There's still, uh, I'll say, like, I think Raw's getting help by still only being an hour. Yeah, that's um, I mean, the last episode I had three and a half. So I, I liked it. I, like, that was a bad one. This was not great, but at least I think Brett I, and Sean at least added some juice. I thought it was a long segment. One good segment. Yeah, one good segment and nothing else was. But I it mean, was that, long. It was a long part of the funny. show. Yeah, I mean, I went four and a half. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, this is just another one of those roles where when I talk about it, I'm like, well, I mean, I'm saying this is average. It was not great, but then I'm like, well, it was 45 minutes, so it was, I guess, quick enough. Not not great, though. I mean, still not great. There's a lot of problems. Four and a half. There's, there's problems. There's still problems. A lot of problems. All right, let's get to our uh, combo awards real quick here. So, uh, best show, obviously, Nitro. Yeah. Match of the night, Ray and Dean. Yeah. Fittingly for tonight, Dean. Uh, best moment, I went Giant turning on the NWO. Yeah. Okay, better commentary is Nitro. Yeah, I, you know, Bobby did have the see you, but I'd say, like, Bobby was better than he'd been in a couple weeks, and Dean's been better than he'd been in a while. So. Tony's always great. Good, good, uh, good commentary. I mean, Larry may have been the worst with his uh, stop wearing earrings. <laughs> a lot of anti-gay stuff tonight on Puff shows. Uh, star of the night, uh, Hogan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and ratings, obviously, knows Nitro. Yeah. Let me look. I had that pulled up. It was a. Uh, let's see. So Nitro last week did a three-one. This week they did a three-six. That's to be expected. That's their biggest rating since a 3.7 on the November 11th Nitro. So, you know, biggest rating in like eight or nine weeks. For it to be a holiday edition, that's pretty good. Um, so, they, they killed it. Uh, Raw was actually up 0.1, so basically flat, but went up from a 1.5 to 1.6. But uh, that shows where we're at. Like, they're 1.6 and Nitro's a 3.6. So, they got it. They're just getting crushed. They more than doubled. They more than doubled them. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even competitive right now. Yep. All right, check out everything we have to offer here at Northside Connection. A lot of content on video coming at you daily. Some short, some longer form stuff. Everything's at NorthSouthConnection.com. Uh, subscribe on our podcast apps. If you can do us a favor, like, subscribe, comment, all that stuff helps. Appreciate it. Smell the napalm. We'll be back in two weeks to wrap up 1996. Lost a lot of fights, but it taught me how to lose Okay, oh, I heard about sex, but not enough I found you could dance and still look tough anyway Oh yes I did I found that a man ain't just being macho Ate an awful lot of late night driving food Drank a lot of take home pay I thought I was the Duke of Earth when I made it with a red-haired girl in the Chevrolet Oh yeah We were keeping the 
weren't always good Tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems Hold you my reasons for the whole revival Now I'm going outside to have a nice cold beer in the shade Oh, I'm gonna listen to my 45s Ain't it wonderful to be alive when the rock and roll plays Yeah, when the memory stays Yes, I You know I'm keeping the faith 